got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is KLWN, Kansas beating NC State earlier today, right here on our station. 80 to 74. We'll recap that. Uh, they'll be playing either Wisconsin or Dayton. That game currently ongoing. Wisconsin up 38 36 with a little under six minutes to go right now. Yeah, over this this Wisconsin Dayton Dayton game has been ugly. Yeah, very ugly. ugly. Um, so that game will be tomorrow, pregame 8:30, tip off at 10 o'clock. We're going to preview the Kansas Kansas State football game, which will occur Saturday. Pregame 5:30, kickoff at 7 o'clock. Before we get into that NC State recap, though. I think this deserves to be talked about. <laughs> Last yeah. night, Pete Thamel of ESPN, Kansas and coach Lance Leipold have agreed to terms on a new contract, which includes an extension through the 2029 season. The new deal is structured to keep Leipold at Kansas for the long term. Now, I know Michael Swain of Fog.net also uh, talked about that he turned down Nebraska. Now, that could be viewed in a couple different ways. I don't really ways. know what that means. Yeah, it yeah. could be Nebraska lowballed him on an offer. It could be that... Um, they never you know, made him an offer. They never but made like him an offer, and he was like, "No, I'm just going to stay with KU." I don't know. It could mean a lot of different things, but yeah. that is funny to to hear it termed that way. That like, no, Kansas's head coach decided to use Nebraska to get a raise at his own school. You know what I mean? Um, nonetheless, this is gigantic news for KU. This is an unbelievable job done once again by Travis Goff, who I think he needs to get a raise and an extension at this point. Yeah. Um, and it just. With Nebraska and Wisconsin likely to announce the name of their their next head coach here in the coming week or two, it basically guarantees that he's going to be your head coach. Like, why would you sign an extension if you were leaving for another school, right? He is clearly staying at Kansas, um, and that's a huge deal because he has turned around this program, and now you know he is in it for the long haul. All along the way, we've played you many of the different interviews he did at other outlets where he talked about wanting to stay and build a program and be around here, and we talked about the tweet his wife sent out on Sunday about looking forward to being at the booth next year, and you know we, we had all these different things Back at the booth, that baby. maybe pointed to the fact that this was going to be the case, but you just never really know, especially in the college world where it really is the Wild West out there. This exciting news, this is a huge deal for KU football. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely massive, and uh, again, I think it just shows that Travis Goff especially is doubling down on his sort of pledge to really, really emphasize football, right? You've got the football stadium discussions of, of tearing down the booth, renovating it, whatever, and listen, if you're going to build a new stadium, you need a coach to coach in it, <laughs> right? So uh, this makes sense. You know, It makes a lot of sense, and obviously there's a, a ton of nervous fans about the situation w- with Wisconsin, with Nebraska, about you know the future of this program with Lance Leipold and and, and again Lance has stayed true to his word. I mean he's he's said all along you know I'm, I'm committed to Kansas. I'm I'm here. Uh, I want to turn this pro- program around. And, and again, I mean I'm going to say this somewhat facetiously, but also somewhat seriously. You go eight and four at KU, you get a statue. 
Yeah. You go eight and four at Nebraska, you get a pink slip. I mean, that, that's how that's how it works, yeah. right? So it, I mean, seri- I mean, seriously, yeah. no, if you're that's, Lance, that's what happened to Bo Pelini. Exactly. Like if you're Lance, seriously, like you can stay at Kansas and you can build over the next four or five seasons and you know get to a bowl game every year, win seven, eight games. Maybe you maybe you have a year or two where you compete for the Big Twelve championship and you maybe you you know something like that, something crazy like that, right? And you will be regarded as the greatest coach in Kansas history by far, right? Or you could go to Nebraska and go eight and four in two years and get fired. Right, like, mm-hmm. like, what? Which of those sounds more appealing? <laughs> I understand there's other factors involved, but like, seriously, like, when you really think about it, that's the situation, right? And and it's 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 kind of the question of when you've got some of these high-profile college jobs. It's like, on one hand, yeah, they're destination jobs for a lot of guys, and a lot of guys would love to be the coach of of schools like that, right? But on the other hand, they are very, very high-pressure jobs, and that's not to say that Kansas or other lower Power Five or other non, you know, legacy jobs are not high pressure jobs but like obviously like i said at kansas right you could you could be 8 and 4 every year and be regarded as as the best coach of all time at kansas yeah. right so I, I i mean i'm not saying that that factors into the discussions at all or anything like that but but to me personally like that's what i think about like but it does dude, a little it's cuz it's about job security right yeah absolutely yes. so it does matter there and and the reasons you would go to nebraska would be a couple things one can you make a bunch more money two are you going to have better resources, better facilities? Are you going to have better resources for NIL money? And yeah. I think that's what this indicates for Kansas. Obviously, like you mentioned, uh, they're having the new stadium. So that shows that they're investing in the facilities. There are other facilities, though, involved, too. It isn't just about the stadium. And I think the fact that they upped him for this contract, I would imagine, because KU hasn't officially, I believe, announced this yet. Um, so I'm, I'm sure they're, like, ironing out some of the ironing out I mean, some the, of the this details. Not, this has to include, include a pay raise. Obviously. Yes, it has to include a pay raise. But I think for a guy like Lance Leipold, like, I don't view him as being someone where it's like, oh, I have to be making, you know, I have to be the one of the no, top yeah, three highest paid that. guys. I think it's more about a respect thing about getting the money. But I think more than anything is what he wants is he wants the financial commitment to the program. So that does mean facilities. That does mean stadium renovations. That does mean NIL money for current players or for future recruits. Yeah. And I think that's what this indicates for both him signing on the dotted line and for the Kansas donors, that they're basically saying, yes, we are willing to invest in you because you have shown progress here, and that is what we're looking for. So that's exciting. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, the news last night, maybe the biggest news for Kansas in – what, since they announced the hiring of Lance Leipold, basically? Yeah. I mean, huge news. So now you play Kansas State this week. We'll get to that preview coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. And boy, would that make for quite the fun week. If Lance Leipold gets <laughs> extended, then they found a way to upset K-State, keep them out of the Big 12 title game, and then imagine if Chris Kleiman <laughs> took the Nebraska job. It'd be like the uh, the holy trinity of, so, of Kansas things I mean, that could happen. <laughs> dude. I can't even I can't even imagine. But you know, regardless, Kansas is still going to bowl game, and now yep. they have their coach locked up for the long term. So yep. regardless what happens this Sunday, just know that in the back of your mind. Or Saturday. Or Saturday. I'm sorry. Saturday <laughs> even, right? The game is gonna take so long, it's gonna go to six overtimes, it's gonna last till midnight on Saturday night. Uh okay. KU takes down NC State in basketball, eighty to seventy four. Kansas was buoyed in the first half. Grady Dick put on an absolute show. Yep. Six three-pointers in the first half. Goes for 18 in the first half. Seven in the second half. 25 for the game. Some of the threes he made, too, were just ridiculous. The one that he had at the end of the first half, yeah. where he's like tilting to the side over a contested arm, unbelievable. He just continues to impress each and every 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 time we see him. Yeah, we were at the uh, 23rd Street Brewery enjoying the game, yep. which is where you should go if you're if it's a road game or if you can't make it to the game. Yeah, perfect a, for Saturday. Yeah. Perfect for Saturday for the K-State game on the road. You're yeah. like, oh, where yeah. should I go to watch it? 
There you go right there. Or Friday, there's like games all day. It's always a great day. Yep. Like forget the Black Friday shopping. Just, you know, you <laughs> could go to the brewery and just watch the game. Yeah, so it was great there, and we had a great time watching it. And obviously, we had a great time watching Grady Dick, as you said. I mean, a phenomenal performance. I don't know if you saw he was he, so he was one three pointer away from tying the record for most three pointers in one half, which was actually set by Jeff Boshi back in two thousand. So he was one shy of that, but yeah, just a phenomenal first half from Grady Dick. And and again, I mean, it, I think at oh, at various points in the season, this we may start to sound like a broken record with this, but it's really Grady Dick and Jalen Wilson, right? Like those two guys. One of them is needs to play well, or both of them need to play well, right? On most nights for Kansas to have a really, really strong chance of winning. And Grady Dick really struggled in the second half, but he did enough in the first half to where it kind of you kind of didn't really matter, right? And Jalen was great also, 19 points, 11 rebounds for Jalen as well. And I, I, we didn't see any any of MJ Rice, who has been kind of my vote for that third scoring option. Kevin McCuller, I think, finished with 10 points. Uh, I, I will say, Dewan was... Uh, Bill Self must be telling Dewan in practice that he needs to score more because he has been driving to try to score more, right? Uh, which is interesting. I don't even and, know if that's a him thing or if that's him just like realizing, hey, we're hey, kind of stuck in the mud yeah, offensively. Yeah, because he, he had a quote. He had a quote uh, after the Southern Utah game, I think it was, where he said basically like, last year I wasn't much of a scorer, but this year I recognize that I need to be right. And uh, so I think he definitely has done that. And I will say, we wondered what kind of difference Bill Self would make. I saw a lot of screen and roll plays for guys that weren't Jalen Wilson or Grady Dick. Right, we saw a lot of setup plays. I mean, how many times did we see a high screen and rolling off it with Dewan or Kevin McCuller driving to the basket with the right hand? They ran that play multiple times throughout the game, either looking for a lob or either looking for Dewan or Kevin McCuller to score. Which, okay, by the way, we'll get into the lobs uh, here in a second, but, but yeah, I mean, in this game against NC State, NC State was kind of in the same boat as Kansas, right? They had a couple guys that were playing really, really well. Smith was going off. Uh, the other number fourteen, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, hit about three. Think, yeah, 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 yeah. He hit about four or five threes. But they were kind of in the same boat as KU was, where they didn't really have much going on beyond that offensively. And KU was able to just grind it out, man. And, and uh, it, it was interesting though. It felt like every time KU got out to like a five or six or seven point lead, they kind of. Uh, I don't know if like relax is the right term, but they kind of let their foot off the gas a little bit, and it felt like they, it felt like Kansas had moments where they could have really pushed it over the top and made it, you know, a 10, 12 point game to kind of really, really separate themselves, and they just were never able to do that. And NC State was able to kind of keep it within a couple possessions occasionally, so that's something maybe to keep an eye on is maybe you know you look towards Grady Dick or Jalen Wilson where because you think about it right, like if if you've got a five or a six or a seven point lead. If you can get like a kill shot, big three or something like that, and suddenly it's a t- like like the difference between, especially in college basketball, the difference between a seven point lead and a ten point lead can feel astronomical, mm. especially when you've got a defense like Kansas that can really lock you down. So, I'd like to see if Kansas in future games where if they are kind of on the cusp of maybe breaking it open a little bit, taking advantage of that because they didn't do that against NC State. I think that's a really good point because there were several times, whether it was the Southern Utah game or the Duke game, yeah. or in this one where. Kansas did go up maybe five, six, seven points. Exactly, but they were and, and, and it to, felt like they were yeah. controlling the game. It felt like they were in, in control of the game, and then they, you know, turned it over two or three possessions in a row. Way, right? Yeah, exactly. They turned over two possessions in a row, and then all of a sudden it's a two point game, right? So you would like, I would like to see them take that next step of really, really kind of taking advantage when they're when they're up like that. Because yeah, like 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 you were just mentioning, it felt like even not even in the NC State game, but other games where. Truly, like they get up to a six, seven point lead, but then they kind of falter a little bit on offense, and suddenly it's a two point game again. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a a very astute point there. Um, Thank you. 
Well, and I think, too, like the second half we saw um, – because there is so much pressure on this team for Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick to both play great offensively while they're looking for that third option. And maybe they found the third option. Maybe it is DeJuan Harris with back-to-back 14-point games. But even then, you still probably need a fourth option, right? Uh, because DeJuan does so many other things that you don't want to constantly rely on it. And, again, and- I don't think you can anticipate DeJuan averaging 13 a game. No, no, I don't think you can either. Exactly. Like realistically, it's around like eight or nine, right? And he's just getting a lot of assists and playing good defense and, and getting steals and everything. And we saw in the second half, like Grady Dick goes from Inferno in the first half to I think he was just one of eight in the second half. Even he he did hit some free throws, so that was kind of clutch for you there. Jalen, while putting up big numbers for you, grinded out to get his production, which was very important. But I think he was just five of fifteen from the floor. So uh when those guys are struggling a bit and not as efficient. It's like the entire KU offense is that way. They they yeah. barely shot like 40% for the the game. They shot 38% on two-point shots. They were just kind of buoyed by grinding things out. And to a certain extent, like Bill Self wants to see that. He wants to see games where you can grind out wins when you're not playing your best. Um, but like, I don't know that I would classify this as one of those because you still kind of got beat up a bit at times on the offensive glass. You weren't bad defensively. Like, they shot around 40% as well. But I wouldn't say that yeah, was like they, they a great shot, defensive game. They shot worse, obviously, than, than KU. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I agree with you. It wasn't a great defensive game. And I there are some serious questions about the defensive rebounding, right? Like, NC State's not a particularly big team. They don't have particularly proficient rebounders. And still, they were getting a lot of offensive rebounds. But I don't know if you've checked the box score. KU actually had more second-chance points than NC State. Which, if you were watching the game, you would have thought it would have been the other way around. Uh, so that's something that's kind of interesting is that KU was able to kind of convert. And another thing that KU did really well in that game against NC State was they had a lot more points off turnovers. They they were able they were the ones that were able to score off turnovers when NC State really wasn't able to as much. So that was interesting. And then, okay, I want to mention this as well because mm-hmm. we saw a lot of it, the lob situation. Yeah. A lot of lobs and a lot of poor lobs, to say the least. And here's what I think is is the cause of that. We know Bill Self loves his big men. We know that he loves to have a guy down low that he can rely on. Well, right now, with KJ Adams, with Ernest Duday, with Zuby Ejiofor, you don't have a guy that you can lob it in or that you can throw it into and he can post up and score, right? So I, I wonder if what we saw today was some of Bill Self trying to experiment with getting production out of his bigs in other ways. We know Ernest Duday has got a lot of hops, and we know he's kind of that rim runner style guy. KJ Adams obviously has a lot of hops too. So it, it felt to me, and I don't I don't know for sure, but it felt the way I kind of read it was Bill Self was trying to find create other creative ways to draw up plays to where he could get his big man production, and it seemed to me that he felt the best way to do that was with lobs. So we did see a lot of those times where we you'd have the high screen set and Dewan or Kevin McCuller would be driving to the basket and they would try to lob it right. That to me felt like those were plays that Bill Self designed and said, okay, I can't throw it into my big man and try to post him up to score. So we're going to try to find another way to get him open where he can get a dunk or get an easy bucket, right? Which is fine, except when you're not able to execute those, why wouldn't you just let Jalen Wilson or Grady Dick <laughs> make something happen, right? Like, if you, if you can't even execute those types of plays. So, I don't know. I, I I guess Bill Self, I think, needs to go to the drawing board, with go back to the drawing board with some of those types of plays to see if he, you know, I, I mean, I, I understand it's Bill Self. He is going to be dedicated to trying to get his bigs involved. That's just how that's just how it is, right? Like as, as a as a KU spectator, as a fan of KU, you just need to accept that fact. I don't. I mean, you're not you're not going to change his mind. The guy's been doing it for 20 years.
Yeah, and I don't even know if that's a Bill Self thing or just a, like, they've had success with it earlier this season, and so now they're just almost, like, forcing it. And especially when you don't, like, you're not really getting anything else from those big men that, yeah, that it's causing a lot of problems. They're, they're The last couple games, it's just, like, turnover after turnover on those lobs. I, I would expect Bill Self to find an adjustment to that that's going to, like, become a good counter for KU because – he is the best coach in college basketball. Um, but, yeah, that that's certainly a, an issue I would circle. I had the circled issue of free throws. Uh, they're struggling early, but they ended up really good there. Well, yeah. not, I wouldn't I say mean, not really good. 22 good. of 29, 76%. Like, that'll that'll plenty get it done. Um, but, yeah, Dewan Harris continued, like, non-celebrated MVP. He keyed that 6-0 run at the end of the first half. That that pass he had to Grady Dick on, on the baseline cut where he finishes up and under the rim. Like, yeah. he just keeps KU in control. And I will say this. As much as KU is yearning for another scoring option in the half court, especially, having Dewan Harris and Bill Self raises your floor because of the different plays and sets and being yeah. in the right situation you can have. So that is a good thing for Kansas. Um it's certainly interesting, though, and, and not, like, surprising in the slightest, but that, again, KU continues to show, like, no, we really only have trust in a few of these guys, and we're not going to go deep in the rotation. They only played nine guys today, and only seven of them played nine or more minutes, and only six of them played double-digit minutes. Here were the minutes from the starters. <laughs> KJ played 24 minutes. He fouled out. If he doesn't foul out and is in foul trouble a day, he probably plays 30. Jalen, 35. Grady, 35. Dewan 35. Kevin McClure, 34. You think Bill Self showed you who he trusted in that one? <laughs> and how about the end of the game, too? He really showed you who you trusted because KJ Adams fouled out. He didn't play Ernest Uday or Zuby Edgefer. He played yeah. Bobby Pettiford. They slid Jalen down to the five. I guess at that point, either McCuller or Grady Dick is at the three or the four. And um, I guess part of that could be, you know, line up situationally because NC State does have those three little guards. So it could just be based on that. But also, you know, we did see that big guy Burns inside kind of hurt KU a little bit yeah. um, down low. And um, I think that showed you a lot of the lack of trust that Bill Self has right now in those centers, and you still couldn't really do anything with them. Ernest and Zuby combined played 14 minutes. They had two points, one rebound, one assist on one of two shooting. Like, you're going to have to start getting more <laughs> at some point there. Yeah. And honestly, the biggest positive that Zach Clements has done is just not play in these past few games because of injury because the guys who have played instead of him has not, have not done anything. Yeah. Yeah, and we we I think we actually highlighted that right where we were like, oh, it was Zach Clemens out. Maybe one of the other big men could step up and have they a couple have good games. And instead, the complete opposite has happened. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So none of the centers are trusted. And honestly, that's a microcosm of just the bench as a whole. The bench has not yeah. been producing for Kansas. This happened against Southern Utah, and um, coming into the the game, combined like the bench players for Kansas. Let's see. Uh, MJ Rice, five points per game. Pettiford, 4.3. Ernest Uday, 3.3. So that's 12.6. Yes, Fu gets you to 15.6. Basically, the bench per game for Kansas is scoring about 15 points per game. But if we take out like Jankovic, and since you didn't have MJ Rice today, it's been getting like 12 a game. It's not nearly enough for a team that is supposed to have a deep team with a bunch of talented players coming off the bench, even if they are inexperienced. And that was the case again in this one. You had... Uh, 37 combined bench minutes, which is not very much to begin with, but 37 minutes. If you said a player played 37 minutes and logged four points, three rebounds, two assists, no steals, no blocks, with three turnovers, and shot two of six from the field, 
you would be like, why did that guy play 37 minutes? You know what I mean? <laughs> and that is what the bench did, and that's a carryover from the previous game as well. And I think the biggest part of this is it's it's twofold. It's one, the centers, because they're obviously going to be a part of the bench, but two, it's Bobby Pettiford. I yeah. still am high on what the potential for Bobby Pettiford could be, but now this is back-to-back games where over the last two games, Bobby Pettiford combined has 34 minutes played, two points, two rebounds, one assist on one of four shooting with three turnovers. I have a message for you and for all KU fans frustrated with Bobby Pettiford and what's going on. You ready? I'm not even frustrated. I'm just saying I'm just for telling KU you. to reach their potential, Bobby this is, is my going message. to have to, to improve. This is my message right now. Bobby Pettiford is going to play 20 minutes a game, and you're going to like it. He's like, you're going to like it. Vegetables at dinner when you're a kid. He's going to play 20 minutes a you're game, eat it. and you're going to like those yeah. 20 minutes. <laughs> And that's all there is to it. I yeah. don't know what else to tell you. Well, no, I, I think you're right. He and, is and going he, to. I, you know, I think he's going to be good. Like I, 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 I agree with you. Like I think he's going to eventually, you know, move things along. But for the time being, he's going to play 20 minutes a game, and by God, you're going to like it. But I guess to that point of what you're saying is why it is so important. Because if we are talking about the bench picking up, and you are basically saying Bobby Pettiford is going to play like 20 minutes every game, it's going to be him. This he is a majority of the bench, <laughs> right? So KU's bench production. Oh yeah, you're right. It, a lot of it just does lie on how Bobby Pettiford plays. So there is there's a big pressure on what he can do in his sophomore season, and I think he showed some flashes early in the season. Last two games hasn't been the case. Like I said, I still like Bobby Pettiford. Yeah, me but too. If you don't get much from him this year, you're kind of SOL because Joey Esfu hasn't really done a ton so far, and maybe that's where MJ Rice has his biggest impact. And Bill Self trusts Bobby, obviously. Yes, 100% he trusts Bobby, and, and yeah. I guess, uh, you know, I haven't been like huge on board of that MJ Rice is going to change this team's outlook totally on the year because I don't think he's going to be a starter. But with these bench troubles, if MJ Rice is even a guy who gives you 15, I'm 20 minutes you, a game on the he, bench, he's your answer. He can be a go to scorer. Like maybe that is the difference between Kansas being a really good team and an elite team. But they come out with the win. Um, I guess we can wait and see. There's about like five seconds left. I know I can't oh, it's, legally it's do like play by play on what's 40, happening. Oh, we can't? Oh. Well, I think we can say like what it's happened. Forty-three just, to know. forty-two. Wisconsin leads by one, and there's two seconds left. Yeah, they just got a block out of and bounds. Dayton so. has the ball now. Yeah. Um. So KU will play the winner of this, Wisconsin or Dayton, and, and we'll do the rest of our battle for Atlanta's preview at the top of the the four o'clock hour, and we'll, we'll kind of dive deep into some of other KU's future opponents. But they'll be playing tomorrow at ten in the morning. Pre-game will start at eight thirty right here on KLWN, KLWN.com, oh. the KLWN app. Dayton missed at the buzzer, so they'll be playing Wisconsin. KU, Wisconsin. Wisconsin's got a lot of bigs, and uh, they like to slow down the tempo, so that'll be an interesting matchup tomorrow in the Battle for Atlantis to get your Thanksgiving started. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we've got some Jalen Daniels audio from the other day. We're also going to be joined by the voice of the Jayhawks from the Bahamas in about 15 minutes from right now. And Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on KLWN. And uh, joined now on a Wednesday edition of the show. It's our last show of the week by the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, who you might have heard earlier here on our stations with the game. And you can hear as part of your Thanksgiving morning as well with pregame at 830 tomorrow and tip off at 10. Now we know it's going to be against the Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, first things first, Brian, obviously the, the trip down to the Bahamas here. Got to go to Maui a couple years ago for the Maui Invitational. How would you compare and contrast the Bahamas and Maui? Wow, that's a great question. You know, I think the setting here is a little cooler because you're all staying at the same hotel. And so as you walk around 
through the, the various towers, the Coral Tower and the, the uh, other tower on the opposite end here of Atlantis. You've got all eight teams walking around, so fans can interact and get autographs and see everybody, and there's just so much to do that's all centrally located here. Having said that, much prefer being in a U.S. state where, you know, the, the credit cards work fine. They work fine here, too, but there's, you know, the uh, foreign charges on everything, and uh, obviously you have to set up separate phone plans so you can talk to Nick and Derek and not have the phone <laughs> bill be too crazy. But uh, the beaches are, are very similar just in terms of uh, just amazing white sand beaches and uh, just electric blue, clear blue colored water. It's it's incredible how gorgeous it is out here. Not like some of the, um, you know, darker sand beaches you'd see in the Carolinas or something like that. This is the good stuff out here. The, uh, the winds and the tide were, were blowing and whipping in so much yesterday they wouldn't let the team get out and swim. And that was for any beachgoer, not just the basketball players. They had the red flags out, which means you can't swim. But the team's hopeful to get some more pool time today. There's a lazy river that uh, that Greg Gurley was uh, taking up two inflatable floaties <laughs> to, to drift down. And, uh, you know, he's got a beverage in each hand, double fisting it. So we're probably going to hit that up. And then they tell me there's a, there's a five-story drop slide that falls five stories. Somebody was asking, are you going to do that? Because I've been skydiving, and I, I typically like to do those win and roam, make a memory type experiences. But, man, I'm getting over some uh, some sickness from last week. I don't need to be spending any time doing five-story dives or anything <laughs> like that. So I'm just hanging out by the pool doing my game prep. I actually spent last night working on my K-State football spotting boards. So we're enjoying the scenery, but also keeping it focused on a business trip for sure. Well, uh, let's start with the basketball end of things here. Kansas just a few hours ago coming out on top of NC State, 80-74. to 74. And I know it's so early in the season, but with the way that Grady Dick and Jalen Wilson just keep delivering in the big moments and, and overall for Kansas this season, is it crazy to think we're getting to the point where this could be one of the better Bill Self duos? I don't think it's crazy to say that yet because we've seen enough to know that Jalen's going to be sustainable as a 20-point-per-game scorer, and then Grady on any given night could go for that much and, and could carry you as well. And so, yeah, it's five games in, and you know we can start listing off who the best duos are right now. And, and once you start throwing those names out, maybe we would have pause and say we shouldn't heap too much praise too soon. But you're asking – is it okay to, to start to think about that? And I think it is because you know, Grady's done this now against Duke and NC State. And, yes, he did it against some lesser competition you know, the first week from the Summit League. And then, obviously, most recently, you know, we saw them escape versus Southern Utah when he had 18. But we we're seeing him do it against real athletes, and we're seeing him find ways to score when sometimes defenses are adjusting. And you look at the second half today – they really didn't want to let him catch and shoot anything. Well, he still found a way to get to the line and go five for five and hit a game-clinching layup late and have seven second-half points that gave him a new career high of 25. And so it'll continue to get tougher. Tonight I saw something that I didn't think we'd see. Somebody actually blocked his shot, which is yeah. 6'8", shooting it above his head. That doesn't seem likely or even possible. But uh, the point is he finds other ways. And whether it's been with these streaking up and under finishes or creating off the bounce in the mid-range, if teams start to try to take him away on the perimeter, 
he'll still find other ways to impact this game. And that just means that somebody else is going to have less defensive pressure on them. And he can be a decoy out there. But what we saw tonight in that first half was special stuff. I mean, not since Jeff Boshi hit seven and a half versus K-State back in 2000 had we seen a three-point barrage in one half like that. And he was just out of his mind. He was just unconscious for a while there. And you love to see it. And we needed it, quite frankly, because of the pace with which NC State was scoring and, and playing and flying up and down the floor, and that was a lot tougher than your typical opening round holiday tournament game, and you can make a case, it'll be tougher uh, the NC State game was than tomorrow's game, and that's not to take anything for granted, but Wisconsin and Dayton obviously had a slugfest that you didn't know if either would get 20 in the first half or 40 in the second half, and Wisconsin edges them in the end, and they've got some good three-point shooters, and some, some bigger size than, than maybe what Dayton could have run out there. But athletically, we faced the best team uh, of that four-team pod on that side of the bracket. You know, our, our three potential foes on our side, the most gifted athletically, the, the fastest, the one with the best three-point prowess was the one we faced today. And so having said that, we'll probably be throwing in a deep freeze defensively tomorrow and struggle to shoot and we'll, we'll you know, be in trouble now that I said today's opponent was tougher. But on paper, I, I think this matchup was, was more problematic. Tomorrow we'll just have to see what Wisconsin can hit us with, with, with some of their bigs and their guys that can stretch it from three. But uh, I really like the way our guys – took the challenge from the coaching, being told coming down here, this is one of the best backcourts you'll face all year. And to Quavion Smith's the guy that has the, the greenest of the green lights we'll face all year. Our guys really responded. They held him to 33% shooting. And even though at times Morsel was going off and they had other options, I was pleased with the way our guys were assignment sound defensively and, and did just enough to beat a team that will certainly go on to win a lot of games this year in the ACC. This was Bill Self's first game back on the bench uh, for Kansas. What what kind of impact do you think he had in this game specifically? And I guess what kind of impact do you think he'll continue to have going forward on kind of this interesting group where you've got some veteran guys that were on the national title team, but also obviously a couple freshmen as well? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that, Nick, because we talked about it on the broadcast in the second half. That you know the number one thing he brings is his ability to make in-game adjustments and draw up masterful play calls in a timeout to get an easy high percentage hoop coming out of a timeout. And you knew that, right? We talked about that the last four games when Norm Roberts has been on the sidelines. What will Norm draw up here? What will Bill do in this timeout? That kind of thing. But the thing that I forgot about that was so evident today is the way he works officials and the way he chews their butts and gets calls for us. And, and there was one moment where he'd had a couple of back-to-back calls he disagreed with, one by Tony Padilla, one by Burt Smith, and, and he just lit a fire. And darn if we didn't get five of the next six whistles, and it turned like that. And it's not just an Allen Fieldhouse thing. It's a Kansas basketball Bill Self thing. And part of that is, is playing aggressively to where you demand a whistle be blown. But another part of that, whether the officials would ever agree to it or not, is when Self's riding them, when he's telling them what he's looking for, what he thinks they should be looking for, it's amazing how makeup calls come almost immediately afterwards, and then sometimes they can quickly pile up in our favor. And so I've missed that these last four games. Not that Norm Roberts can't chew them too, 
But Bill does a masterful job of that, and he got his point across today, and that's really where we made some of our best runs is when we had a, a frequent whistle there. Now, it was a little too frequent playing catch-up down the stretch, and they got to shoot a ton of free throws because of it. I'm not saying we got a happy whistle all day, but I think you know what I'm getting at. He, he definitely is one of the best in the game at that particular regard. Derek and I kind of mentioned this uh, at the top of the show of – it felt like multiple times in that game against NC State, Kansas would get out to a five or a six or a seven point lead, but they couldn't quite hit that big dagger shot to push over the top to double digits or whatever. How do you kind of read that? Is that just maybe the team just trying to figure out who maybe their go to guy might be in those situations, or, or what do you what do you how, what's your view on on that aspect of the game? Yeah, you know, I, I think that you know we've got the ability to break teams backs and, and pull away, but the way NC State plays so just frenetically up and down the floor haphazardly i mean they, they take a lot of bad shots but but then they'll they'll come right back and, and rip off three made baskets in a 40 second span because they're so quick in transition so quick to turn defense into offense so we just had a hard time sustaining runs long enough to get more than a, a three or four possession lead and and next thing you know two empty trips down the floor and they've cut it to a one possession game because they score so quickly. And so we'll have that ability to take a killer instinct. that's very much there, but, but make it more effectively applied going forward. I think this was just kind of a rare one-off where you know, they score in bunches and score so quickly and they chuck so many threes that you know, we could have two mental laps offensively and see an eight point lead down to two in 30 seconds because they've hit transition threes off of it. And that, that's where this game was a little bit of a seesaw where you saw the 8-0 Morsel run to start the second half and we were just in a little bit of a mini-funk. I, I think that'll be different as the opponent changes. We're talking with Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Switching gears, you, you said starting to work on the, the KUK State spotter boards and whatnot, so I, I don't know how much you've dug deep uh, at this point into the, the matchup itself, but um, I guess before we get into that matchup, I should probably make notice that obviously last night we had the report from Pete Thamel about the contract extension with Lance Leipold. It was confirmed today. The KU football Twitter account just posting it, I don't know, 20 minutes ago or something, uh, about the news, and, and we don't know all the details and whatnot, but uh, what can you say in, in speaking to the excitement of where the program is headed and being able to keep Lance Leipold around Lawrence for, for some years to come? Man, it's just such an exciting day, no doubt. I, I just got done taping pregame with him via Zoom and, and told him that, uh, you know, Jayhawks fans have so much to be thankful for this year, but I think we're all counting our blessings that we've got him and Kelly here for the long term. And he was joking with me last night when the news was breaking. I was texting him, and he said, yeah, I, I, uh, I wrote into my contract. I only have to do two hot talks now going forward. <laughs> <laughs> he was just kidding because he's giving me grief, but mm-hmm. I'm down here this week. And, uh, but that's the type of guy he is. He's got such great sense of humor, uh, and, and he is beloved by everyone that plays for him, works with him, or works for him. He is the class act and if if he respects you and sees how hard you're trying for him he'll he'll uh, be loyal to you and and coach up and, and give you a chance to be the best version of yourself i've seen that in our broadcast crew i've seen that in his players i've seen that in his staffers we are so lucky to have him here and so i can't tell you how much i've enjoyed getting to work closely with him the last couple of years he's a man of integrity 
class. He does it the right way. And, and we told you, man, he, he's meticulous in the way he goes about doing it in almost a Bill Snyder-like way. So it's kind of fitting. The, the week of the K-State game, we get this news locked up and, and, uh, and, and signed, sealed, and delivered for Coach Leipold because he's starting to rebuild this thing in a similar fashion to what happened there. And we hope that it's sustainable long-term like it has been for our rivals to the West. But love Coach, love Kelly, their commitment to this community, whether it's a scholarship fund they set up for minority young coaches early in the year or buying tickets for the Kansas students for the homecoming or the uh, Texas senior day game. I mean, they, they just showed time and time again how much that uh, they're invested here. And now by working on this extension and showing they want to be here big picture long term, it just shows that this is a place where they not only enjoy living but feel like they can build a long-term winner, and that should make every Kansas fan rejoice this evening. We are so fired up about that. Well, certainly you'd hope that leads to some momentum for the game on Saturday. And, you know, when we look at the matchup, obviously the things that jump out for Kansas State, Deuce Vaughn against Kansas rush defense that struggled last week against Texas. Um, on the flip side of the ball, maybe Jalen Daniels shaking off a bit of the rust against Texas can, can help you in a game like this. What sticks out to you about the matchup between the Jayhawks and the Wildcats? Well, obviously on the heels of what we just gave up on the ground a week ago with Bijan Robinson's career day, you don't want to see Deuce Vaughn running wild. And also on the heels of what we saw with our special teams really struggling in the kicking game and punting game and all of that, K-State's just the type of program to take advantage of that. I mean, they're going back to the Snyder era up through the present day, they're amongst the nation's leaders in non-offensive touchdowns. They find ways to score and and play on you know special teams mismatches or score off their defense. You know, and, and they're so good at all of the above. And so, I think Kansas really needs to play its best special teams game of the season. We talked to Coach a little bit about that. And who knows what that's going to look like come Saturday as they've kind of had some competitions with kicking and punting here in the last couple of weeks, not liking what they were getting, particularly a place kicker. And so I'll be interested to see what that looks like. But I think Kansas has to make sure where there's a perceived advantage, you take advantage of it, and where you know there might be a slight mismatch, like in the special teams kicking game, don't let that be exploited to be what gets you beat. Because there have been numerous Sunflower showdowns over the years where special teams specifically got us beat. So I think that's of paramount importance. And obviously when you got a All-American pass rusher, and they've got multiple guys that, that can rattle the cage JD, we got to make sure that uh, our you know, walking wounded offensive line is, is able to piece it together and get out there for one more Saturday and protect, protect, protect so that J.D. has time to carve up a cat secondary that I think if he has time, he can have a good game against. But they've got so much pressure off the edge, and, and you really got to respect their defensive front. So that, to me, is of paramount importance, too. He is the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney. I don't, I don't know if you've had a chance to, to look at a name of the week. I, I know I have not, but... Uh... Uh, do you have anything for this week? I mean, we could just go with the, the defensive end. I'm buried in basketball right now, but uh, I, I think uh, we'll have to save that one and, and look. I, I think okay. Nick has Ryan, some about, options. No, well, I was, actually, oh, okay. I was going to say something else instead. Instead of the name of the week, Derek and I are going to do a Thanksgiving food draft later mm, in the show. Yeah. So, what would your number one pick for Thanksgiving food be? Oh, I love that. You know, it, it's not only the, the food itself, but specifically my mom's version of this food, the, the Nancy Haney stuffing. 
would be the number one seed of all one seeds in any bracket. It would be the number one national seed ahead of pumpkin <laughs> pie, ahead of, ahead of, you know, dark meat turkey, whatever. It is the one of ones, the king of kings, the best of the best on Thanksgiving. And she's so sweet and thoughtful. She's probably listening right now. She promised to make me Thanksgiving when we get home on Sunday. So looking forward to that because we're going to pretty much head straight to Manhattan once we, we get done here in the Bahamas. And uh, can't wait for Nancy Haney stuffing on Sunday. That's awesome. Well, uh, yeah, shout out to your mom. I, I know I've met her a couple times. Very, very nice lady. And, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Everybody got to love the stuffing. That's that's my number one as well, which I know I'm giving that away for, for Nick. But, uh, Brian, appreciate the time as always. Before we let you go, word from Nate Miller. That's right. Nate Miller, he's got a game plan to help your financial future, just like Lance Leipold's got a long-term game plan for the Kansas football team. So check him out today, MillerRetirementGroup.com. That's MillerRetirementGroup.com. Guys, thanks so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Brian. That is Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Nick, cue the disclaimer. Brian is a paid spokesperson, not a client. Brian does not endorse, and all individuals should make their own evaluation of the firm's investment advisory and insurance services. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. All right, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go. We'll be back after this timeout. Four o'clock hour. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to have our Chiefs preview coming up in a bit here, and then after that, we're going to get to our game picks for the week. Are you looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering? Venue 1235 has you covered, located right off I-70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence. Venue 1235 is a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio. So Kansas takes down NC State 80-74. to And what will be interesting about Monday's show is we'll have a bunch of KU basketball games to go over because yeah. it's... Really, the carryover well, I mean, from we'll that have, game. We'll have two games. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess, guess. Sort of three. And then on Monday, they play a game. Oh. It's just a mismatch of, of all sorts of KU plus basketball. Plus KU action. football. Yeah, plus KU football. Dude, Monday show is going to be wild. You want to come back in on Sunday and do a show? I'm down. Oh, I was joking. Oh, okay. I Never don't. Mind. Well, no, KU. I Listen, mean, I, I love what we do here. I love my no, job. No, I understand. Well, but, but also the Chiefs play, so I'd rather watch yeah, the Chiefs. Yeah, that, well, that, yeah, exactly. I'd rather watch the Chiefs. Well, I don't. I mean, I don't know if I really want the Chiefs or not. The mm. Chiefs might just make me mad. That's true. So maybe It'll I don't depend. want to watch the Chiefs. It'll depend. Um, we'll reconvene if they're down at halftime. <laughs> so Kansas beats NC State, and they will now play Wisconsin, who beat Dayton in the most disgusting game of all time, yeah, forty-three to forty-two. Ugly. And uh, I don't know if you saw this, the graphic that they showed for the player of the game after the game, Connor Segan. <laughs> I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. He had thirteen points. On three of 16 shooting, and he won player of the game because that is how disgusting that game was. What was the score at halftime? Yeah. It was like 23, it was, uh, 23 to, 14. to 14 at halftime. That's just so. So wrong. Dayton actually, you know, they outscored Wisconsin by eight points in the second half. They just, they still lost. But yeah, really, really bad game. Uh, let's see. Dayton was 16 to 53 from the floor. Wisconsin was 14 of 59 from the floor. Ugh. That's I don't know if you can do the quick math on the percentage on that, but it's it's bad. <laughs> it's it's not good. It's really bad. Let's see. So uh, yeah, I mean, oh here we go. Uh, Wisconsin shot twenty three percent from the floor. Yeah, they shot twenty five percent on twos and twenty two percent on threes. They did go nine of ten at the foul line, and uh, they also Dayton, got out rebounded by Dayton. 
They did. Dayton coming in is actually like a really good defense. They're, I guess now, this even includes the last game, 12th in adjusted defensive efficiency. And Dayton is the number three two-point defense. A lot of that probably just from that game. Dayton does have a lot of size. And Dayron Holmes, their center, is a stud. Like, he's going to be a draft pick. Six foot 10, 231-pound sophomore. He's one of the, the best shot blockers in the country. KU doesn't have that. So, Wisconsin will probably be looking, I don't know, like Kansas has a good defense, but it's yeah. different than Dayton. Yeah, I mean, you heard, just heard from Brian Haney before the, the top of the hour of, he kind of felt like maybe this matchup with NC State that KU just had was maybe their toughest matchup of what they could play potentially on the way to the championship of this of this tournament. So that that could be true. I mean, you consider what NC State did well. They, they ran out a lot, right? It's, it's one of those things where it was like a lot of NC State strengths were also KU strengths, especially on offense. So sometimes you think strength versus strength, whereas this game against Wisconsin, it's going to be much more of the strengths and its weaknesses, right? Like right. Wisconsin's going to want to slow it down. They're going to want to you know, take 30 seconds in the half court. Obviously, KU, we think, is at their best when they're running the floor and making some explosive plays. So it's going to be a lot more of a matchup of strengths and weaknesses versus this last game against NC State where it felt like it was kind of, you know, strength against strength a little bit more. And yeah. also, to, to our point, we, which we were discussing earlier, where – KU was maybe struggling to hit that like quote unquote knockout blow to push it over the top against NC State. Against Wisconsin, that might come easier because Wisconsin stinks. <laughs> I don't know. They might be pretty good. Uh let's see. They here they're four and now. They beat South Dakota 85-59. They beat Stanford 60 to 50. Beat Green Bay 56-45. And now they beat Dayton 43-42, who Dayton's the top 40 team in the country. On Ken Palm, Wisconsin has the 120th ranked offense. That seems too high. They are ninth on defense, though. Uh, what you talked about on on the tempo, they are 328th in average possession <laughs> length on length on offense. Of they really hold the ball. 360 teams, something like that. Now they've yeah. they've shot really poorly again last game. Obviously, a big factor of that, and that's a quarter of their I results. Mean, but but okay, on the flip side of that, like. You know, when you when you're able to win a game shooting under twenty four percent from the floor, like that's gotta say something about the the, the fortitude and mental tenacity oh, yeah. of your team, right? Oh, to yeah, win a no, game Bill like Self that. would have loved that. Hundred <laughs> percent. Um they don't turn it over often. They shoot well on free throws. They shoot average from three. They take a good amount of them. They've shot horribly from two. It's not just that game. They are 358th in the country in two-point percentage. Yikes. Um, but they don't turn the ball over. They don't crash the offensive glass. The reason why, they send numbers back. They try to make you play half-court game, and they try to limit you in transition. That is a little Which, bit scary to me. No, that's good for KU, I feel like. I don't think so. How? how? They KU? Where has KU struggled in these past couple of games? They have desperately struggled to get a board defensively. So if Wisconsin's going to no, fall no, 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 out of that, no, that's Wisconsin's offensive rebounds. Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, I, I, yeah, I, I get. Oh, that. yeah, yeah. So what I'm saying is, you're right, not right? wrong there. You're not wrong there. That, that yes, the, the, it should it in. I think in some aspects it should help Kansas because they really have struggled to just have a team go one and done on a shot. Right. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a good good point. Very fair point. Uh, Kansas has struggled giving up. You know, I think uh, Southern Utah had 14 offensive rebounds. NC State had, I want to say, 13, maybe 12. Um, Duke obviously had over 20 of them. So, yeah, that has been a struggle. Wisconsin doesn't crash the glass. That is a good sign for KU. 
The negative, though, to that is that Wisconsin, they want to slow down the game. They want to limit transition. And the reason they don't get a bunch of offensive rebounds is because they just don't really try for it. Like, they might only have one guy go for him, yeah. and then everybody else jumps back. And so the flip side to this is that if you have the team who is ninth in the country defensively, they are fourth in effective field goal rate. They are 27th in defensive rebounding. They are first in three-point percentage allowed. They are um, 145th in two-point percentage. They are 44th in steal rate. This is just a good defense. Um, you are going to have to score in the half court if you want to beat them, is basically my point. And by them limiting you in transition, the offense for Kansas, a majority of what they have done this season, they're a good transition offense. Yes. They have not been a good half court offense. No, and that kind of circles back to the point of, again, I mean, how many times do I have to say it? When you jog down the court and you've got Bobby, Dewan. KJ, Kevin McCuller, and Jalen Wilson. I mean, what what do you expect to happen? I mean, seriously. Yeah. Right? And obviously, Dewan now has had a couple games in a row where he's been more active offensively and has been able to score. And, and Kevin McCuller, while it hasn't been pretty all the time, he got 10 points in this last game, right? And so, you know, maybe some of those guys start to – and again, like I've talked about this before, like with Bill Self, like this is a situation where, again, I think Bill Self comes into play as a guy who can draw up plays – to get some of your supporting cast members more better shots, right? Mm-hmm. So that <laughs> that factors in as well. So uh, yeah, I mean, on one hand, you know that is concerning, but uh, I mean, I, I don't know. But but again, I mean, can you can you expect Grady Dick to knock down five threes and a half every single game? No, you cannot. Um, here's what's interesting about Wisconsin, though. I mentioned they are the number one team in the country in three point percentage defense. How much of that is luck? How much of that is is something they're doing? They're 133rd in the amount of threes per attempt they're giving up. So it's not like they're just chasing teams off the line. Teams are getting off threes, but they're shooting 12.5%. If that's just bad luck, like that could revert in a game like this where Grady yeah. Dick does hit five more threes and a half. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, Ken Palm project, projects it as 69-64 game. I, I feel like if you hit 70 points, I feel like you're going to be they're like, no, we won. Win. You know what yes. I mean? I feel like that might even be too many points. In, in I, what it's I kind of agree. Because it, it could be slowed down and uh, kind of be an ugly game. But to that notion, for Kansas, once you get into Big 12 play, there's going to be a lot of games you're going to have to win in the 60s. Yes. I mean, all honestly, the defenses. Yeah, that's a good this point. Is a good like, test for exactly. That. Wisconsin is kind of a prototype Big 12. They're team, Iowa so to State, speak. right? Yeah, they're, exactly. They're Oklahoma State. <laughs> exactly. You know? Exactly. They don't really do a lot of things super well offensively, but they've got a good defense. They limit three point shots. Like, you're right. That that's going to be kind of the blueprint of some of these other Big Twelve teams that were that are going to be that KU is going to be facing in conference play. Now, as far as Wisconsin, you look at some of the lineups here. Uh, this certainly sticks out to me. So at the one, two, and three positions, they don't have a ton of height. Chucky Hepburn, Max Klesmit, Jordan Davis are six two, six three, six four respectively. Connor Asigian, who won that MVP, going three of and he 13. wasn't even the starter today. No, he, he was a backup shooting guard. Yeah. He's six foot four. So when Kansas is playing. Um, like this isn't like NC. Basically, what Brian was saying too was that NC State athletically is really good, and that's not as much the case for Wisconsin, right? And so, one of the things that I think with with that game was Kansas was trying to use their wing size because you had a six foot six McCuller, you had a six foot seven or six foot six Grady Dick, a six foot eight Jalen Wilson, who at times would be matched up with a six foot three quick guard. And on offense, you might be able to take advantage of that driving to the rim. On the defensive side, they might out quick you. In this game, 
you're going to have the size advantage, and also they're not as athletic as NC State, where they might not even be able to outquick you, and you have the size, so that's a good thing. But down low is where Wisconsin could really hurt you in the half court. If they make this a slow game and they make it about the bigs, this is the game that you could use a KU center getting it going. Tyler Wall is a six foot nine power forward for them. He plays about half of his minutes at the power forward. He or, or half of the team's minutes at the power forward. He also plays about twenty percent of the team's minutes at the center. So he plays kind of both. He is a really skilled down low scorer for them. Um, he really struggled against. against he did Dayton, though. Yeah, in two point shots, he really struggled overall. Yeah, he does have a lot of post move, but. <laughs> You know, again, as I mentioned with Dayron Holmes, he's one of the best defensive big men in the country. Does Kansas have that? And then Stephen Crowell is a seven foot, two hundred forty five pound center that they play about seventy percent of their minutes at the five, and he um, can stretch it a little bit. He shot at thirteen threes. He's only shooting a little over thirty, but he will shoot them. He also hasn't been great on two point shots either. Yeah. But the point is, they have size and the ability to and beat you down low. Interestingly enough about uh, Sam Crowley, he led Wisconsin in assists in this game against Dayton. So Kansas needs to be wary. I mean, we, we've kind of seen what Kansas, how Kansas is going to play some of these big guys, right, where they want to double right away pretty much on entry passes a lot. At least that's what we've seen. That's what we saw against Duke and even against Southern Utah too, right? So for a guy like Dewan Harris or for a guy like Kevin McCuller, uh, obviously this Wisconsin team doesn't just jump off the page at you as, as a three-point shooting team. But if you are going to come down, especially against a guy like Sam Crowell, who to try to double him down low, he's he's capable of kicking it out for some open looks, right? So Kansas, they probably need to keep their heads on the swivel for a play like that. You know, instead of and uh, you know, I, it'll just depend, right? It'll just depend. Like, okay, do we need to double immediately, or can we maybe hold our own a little bit without giving up anything big on the around the perimeter? Yeah. So it's an interesting matchup, and it is. It's just. It's that it's so different, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's gonna so be it's gonna be night week. and day from what we just saw earlier today against NC State. Yeah, one hundred percent. So uh, that is gonna be tomorrow's game. That'll be at ten o'clock. Pre-game gonna start here on KLWN. You can either listen to it on 1017-1320 or at klwn.com or KLWN app. If you're at home, you know you're working on the turkey. You just Put the KLWN app or the website on your phone. You can listen to the game while you're, you know, working around the kitchen or, or whatnot and and preparing your Thanksgiving meal. Um, pre-game 8.30 also on our sister station, 105.9 KISS. Uh, the other side of the bracket, USC's playing BYU right now. Tennessee's playing Butler. So I guess uh, we don't know. It could be any of the four that Kansas would play in their third game, whether they win or lose. Yeah. Uh, the yeah times- USC and BYU, it's a... Uh- they got 11 minutes left in the first half, and it's a one-point game. Yes. So, by the way, the times that Kansas could play on Friday, now that they won their first game, if they're playing in the third-place game, they would play on Friday at noon. If they're playing in the championship game, it would be Friday at 6.30. So keep those times in mind, and then pregame will start an hour and a half before here on KLWN. Though there is some KU women's basketball on Friday, so that might impact it a bit, but you can hear the whole thing on 105.9 KISS. Um, but as far as those four teams on the other side of the bracket, USC, I, I'll just go kind of quickly on these teams because uh, I don't want to dive too much if we don't even know they're going to play them. Yeah. USC has a really big guard in Drew Peterson who's really good. They're kind of just like a meh team, not really overly concerned there. BYU is interesting because they run at one of the faster paces in the country. They shoot a ton of threes. That would actually probably make for a really entertaining game with Kansas. But also they haven't been like ultra efficient, so KU would probably be fine there. 
you look at Butler, that's a team who they've started pretty well. They have the new head coach with Thad Mata. They've been efficient, but in their one game against a good opponent, like didn't really show out too well against Penn State. So uh, I don't know. None of those teams really scare you too much. Like in the case of all of those, Kansas would probably be looking at being like a somewhere between an 8 to a 12 point favorite against any of those. The big one is Tennessee. You're probably going to have to be in the championship if you want to play Tennessee. But who knows? I guess last year we saw, uh, I think it was Arkansas, like lose their first game. And they were like the fifth place game in Kansas was obviously in the third place game. And then it was, uh, gosh, I don't even know who Dayton played in the championship game. Um, but Tennessee's really good. They are third in the country on defense, 25th on offense. They did have a weird slip up early in the season against Colorado by 12 points. And that was a game where... Um, Tennessee took a ton of... Th- they went 6 of 26 from two-point range, and they went 10 of 37 from three, which is like not wow. what you think of a Rick Barnes team at all. So I don't know what to make of Tennessee because they've beaten the other two teams badly. They blew out Gonzaga in the scrimmage, but then they lost to Colorado, which Colorado wow. is like one of the weirdest teams in the country. They <laughs> beat Tennessee. They beat Texas A&M, two ranked teams, and then they lost to Grambling State, who's ranked 314, Massachusetts, who's ranked 139, and Boise State, who's ranked 72nd. So I don't know what to make of any of that, but the, Tennessee is obviously the highlight one. The classic and not-so-secret secret scrimmage. Seriously. I, I definitely would say that KU has the tougher side of the bracket, though. You think so? Oh, uh, yeah. Like, to get to the championship. Well, I mean, I mean, who's the third best team at this in this bracket, you think? Is it NC State? I kind of think it's Wisconsin. I think okay. if I was ranking that, like, Tennessee and KU would be the top two teams. Um, I think Wisconsin and Dayton are the third and fourth best teams. I think NC State is probably, you could even make the case for the fifth best team. But I guess we'll wait and see. It'll play yeah. itself out, right? Yeah, that is true. Yeah, and, and obviously, like like you said, you figure if you're Kansas, you kind of plan on Tennessee, but obviously you don't know for sure. Like Tennessee, uh, as you said, kind of had a slip-up game. What if they have another game like that at the tournament and they lose out and then you end up playing a USC or a BYU mm-hmm. or something uh, in the in the championship game? So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely interesting. And uh, – the great news is for these types of tournaments is regardless, you're going to play three games in three days and you're going to learn a lot about what who your team is, right? And I loved uh, Bill Self in, I think it was during the media day yesterday when we played the audio where he was talking about how there are no teams at this tournament. There are no teams. And we we, we, won't, we won't even become a team until February. Like, Bill, what does that even mean? Like, what do you mean there's no team? It just means the chemistry and, and knowing <laughs> know, everything. It's kind of funny. And, yeah, it it's is. kind of a funny quote from him. Okay, before we go to break here, do you want to do a rock chalk pick a hawk for Wisconsin for the final two games? Oh, so it's cumulative since we won't have a show to do it for the the Friday game. Uh, yeah, okay, okay. Do you want to make this worth two wins or one win though? Ooh, since it is the two games, I think it should be worth one win. Okay, worth one win. Yeah, because if you go one and one, but then you get the two wins, that's kind of some BS. Yeah, that's a good yeah, point. Okay, yeah. One okay, win. so it'll be worth one win, but the stats will accumulate between both games. Okay. I had the first pick last time. You had the first pick this time, but we are doing Serpentine. And you can't stop that. But you're going okay. first, so based okay. on okay. how okay. you view okay. it, you okay. should view that as an advantage. Okay, I'm going to take okay. Dalen Wilson first, first overall. He's been the obvious number one in each game, and, and I don't yeah. know that that's really going to change. Okay. I think number two is the hardest spot to pick. I know yeah, Brady I Dick sticks out, but... He has, he's been he, outscored in our Rock Chuck Pickahawk by, by both Kevin and Dewan. He puts times. up so many points, but like... Dewan and Kevin McCuller get so many more rebounds and assists and steals that like it adds up. McCuller just had a double double, man. He just uh, continues to do everything. I'm gonna go Kevin McCuller. Okay. 
So now I have another pick. I'm going to actually go Dewan Harris, too. Oh, see, that, see, the Serpentine draft is not actually fair. You were saying it wasn't fair for the guy who goes first yesterday. No, wait, was I? Yes. No, I was saying it wasn't fair because there was an odd number of players. So that whoever goes, you get two consecutive picks at the end. That's what I was saying. You were saying that for the person who goes first, though. <laughs> I don't know what I was saying. And now okay. you're the one going first. Okay, okay, my bad. All right, I guess I'll go with Grady Dick. <laughs> you have another pick. Um, I feel like I have to go with K.J. Adams. You don't have to. I think I do, though. You don't have to. All right, give me K.J. I'd prefer if you let me take K.J. Oh, okay. Adams. No, too bad. I'm taking K.J. All right, this is where the, the real men are made in the uh, bench <laughs> players, which haven't really produced much points of late year. Okay. Are we picking five players each? Up to you. I'll let you decide. No, we should do five. Okay. Um. See, I want to take MJ Rice because I feel, I feel like he could really help this you team, feel like obviously. He's probably going to play. I, I mean, you don't know. know for I don't know sure. if he's going to play. Yeah, we don't know for sure. Same thing with Zach Clements. So I am going to go with the guy that you said we know it's going to be forced upon us. Bobby Pettiford is going to play 20 <laughs> minutes a game. He hasn't really produced much the last two games, but the opportunity is going to be there, so I'll take Bobby Pettiford. I'm really glad you took him because I did not want to take him. Okay, good. And then I have another pick. I will go with... Uh, <laughs> I really want to take one of the centers because rebounds are you know worth the two points. If you yeah. get five rebounds, it's a good 10 points there, but yeah. I just I don't trust any of the centers. I'll, I'll just risk it anyway. Uh, I thought Zuby Ejiofor outplayed Ernest Uday last game, and I thought that's been the case for maybe the past couple games. I'm going to go Zuby Ejiofor. Oh, I'm going to take Ernest Uday and also MJ Rice. Okay. And that leaves you with the option of Zach Clements, Michael Jankovic. Joe Yesifu. Joe Yesifu. Struggled. Is that it? I don't think Clements is going to play. That's just a complete guess if he has like a broken nose or something. I'll, I guess I'll go with Joe Yesufu, but I don't feel great about it. Uh, he's going to give you negative. I know. He might. But we have two games. So if, it's, if he has one okay, negative game, one positive game, right? There you go. That's yeah, that, that'll cancel out. Yeah. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We uh, get to our Chiefs preview coming up next. This is RCST. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. The Kansas City Chiefs take on the Los Angeles Rams. On Sunday, I believe it's the afternoon game. And the Rams come into this one with just three wins on the season. The Chiefs, obviously, with the best record in the AFC at the moment. Um, it's it's always weird when you're you're previewing Chiefs games against lesser opponents because we, we know that there are the occasional <laughs> games, like the Colts game where they just put up a stinker, or even games where they do find a way to win, but like yeah. it's a lot closer than it should be. And it's weird because the Rams stink, man. Like, I know they the won the Super Bowl last suck. year. They do. Uh, Matt Stafford got hurt last week, and whether he plays or not, like, obviously they're better with Matt Stafford, but he's had a really bad season, <laughs> and he's been playing through injuries. If he's out, then it's even exacerbated how bad they are, though. Yeah. Cooper Cup's out, and really the rest of their skill players are kind of poo. I mean, <laughs> it's like Allen Robinson, who they overpaid. Like, thank goodness yeah. the Chiefs didn't end up getting him. Yeah. Um, you have – they just cut Daryl Henderson – yeah, I don't Akers. even know who they're – I mean, is it Cam Akers? Up and down? I don't, say, I, who's, I don't know. Who's their running back? Who's their number two receiver? Like Ben Skoranek? <laughs> and I don't know any of their tight ends. The offensive line – But they have, they have Tyler Higby, I think, still. Still? Okay. Uh, but they might have the worst offensive line in the NFL. Now, part of that is because of injury. Uh, they've had a lot of injuries. They've played, like, third-string centers and stuff like that. Yeah. But they are just really bad offensively. Like, seriously, if you look at the rankings, they are one of the worst offenses – 
in the entire NFL. They do have a redeeming quality, though, in that they do have a good defense, which makes sense. You have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and, and a lot of skill talent on that side of the ball. Pretty much every stat you look at, like their top 10, like uh, I think they're like 10th or, or 9th in uh, points allowed per game. Like They're just a really good defense. Uh, they're a really good running defense, too. Yeah. So when you look at this game, this is the classic. If the Chiefs do their thing, they should roll. But if they do stupid stuff, it's going to be a weird game and it'll be closer than you ex- expect. Yeah, the Chiefs, I mean, you kind of hit it right on the head there. <laughs> this game, it will be interesting if the Chiefs choose to make it interesting <laughs> by being bad, basically, <laughs> essentially. Uh, and this is what this is what they do. This is classic Chiefs, right? Like, uh, I can't think of a game that highlights this more than the, than the Jaguars game, right? Like, the Chiefs were dominating, absolutely dominating. And they were up by 10 and a half, right? After the most dominant first half I've ever seen in my entire life, they were up 10, right? I mean, it's just that's just how the Chiefs are. I mean, you look at the stat sheet, you watch the game, you think, wow, Patrick Mahomes is great. He makes a couple great plays. Travis Kelsey's awesome, makes a touchdown or two. And you're like, wow, the Chiefs are absolutely destroying this, their opponents. And you look at the scoreboard, and they're up by 6, or they're up by 10, right? So, I mean, I, the same thing could happen here with, with, with the Rams. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean... Yeah, but this, this does feel like a game where the Chiefs should just pretty easily dominate, but you never know. I mean, it's just it's just the Chiefs, man. They could screw around and end up having it be a close game, but they might still win. That's what I'm saying. Like, it could be, I don't even know who the Rams' backup is. He could have the ball like down. John Wofford? He, he could have the ball down four with four minutes left in the game with a chance to go win, right? And, and then Chris the, Jones has to make a sack. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah, like the defense has to make some ridiculous play to win the game. That could happen. So, uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously you feel pretty good about where the Chiefs are at right now. They're what? They're what? What? Like minus seven thousand to win the AFC West already, <laughs> and and I mean the one seed is looking pretty good. Obviously, still have the Bills lingering, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean this this is a game that the Chiefs, yeah, in terms of the one seed, definitely have to win. And I, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. But again, it's just going to be this game is going to be as interesting as, as the Chiefs choose to make it. Yeah. Well, I'm looking on DraftKings. Chiefs are fifteen point favorites, which. If you would have said before the season last started, time this, okay, but last time this happened, it was against the Titans. Look what happened. Yeah, close game. They had to sneak out. The but Chiefs no, were what thirteen point favorites in that game. I think so. If you would have said before the season started, the Chiefs were going to be fifteen point favorites over the Rams, <laughs> you would have been like, "This is the greatest team of all time." You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But it, it's certainly interesting with the Chiefs' offense with some of the injuries they're dealing with once again. Now, the fact that we're doing this on Wednesday makes it a lot more difficult to to predict what the Chiefs' lineup is going to look like. Yeah, that is true. But obviously, like, we know McCole Hardman's going to be out because he's on the IR. We know that Clyde Edwards-Delaire was placed on IR earlier today, so he's yep. out. But also, he hadn't really been used the last two weeks much, so it'll just be more of Isaiah Pacheco. You still have Jet McKinnon. Maybe we see a few snaps for Ronald Jones. I don't know. It's probably not worth spending too much time on because if we even do see him, it'll probably be very little. <laughs> um, but you look at the receivers still, and with Hardman out, I kind of feel like Tony's going to be out. I mean, a hamstring injury, or was it a quad? Whatever it is. I think it's a hamstring. You know, those don't tend to just be like a quick fix. You know what I mean? And for well, a guy injured that, a lot. Remember, that's kind of the same injury he was dealing with here. He had dealt mm-hmm. with, with the Giants. And so then with Juju, you never know with concussions. So I, I guess that one wouldn't really yeah, talk you one way yeah. or another. I mean, uh, at this point, I think you just maybe lean rested, towards right? him maybe playing. But also, yeah, it's a game where, I mean... Would you would you even risk putting him out there? I mean, do you need him? You've got Mr. That's Harvard, Justin Watson. You've got Sky Moore, who's elite. I mean, you're fine. 
Yeah, so, I mean, if we're looking for things that are most intriguing for me, the Sky Moore one is, is super interesting. And, again, it's partially dependent on, on other players if they're not healthy. And I guess if they are healthy, we'll see how much of last week's game leads to maybe a slightly bigger role for Sky Moore. But can he do it back-to-back weeks to make you really feel like something that you have there? And, and let's not forget that um, Sky Moore is going to be asked to play a much bigger role on next year's team than this year's when you look well, at... Well, I mean, yeah, assuming... Players leaving, yeah. Assuming certain guys leave. Yeah, I mean, Juju's a free agent. Nicole. Um, Cole Hardman's a free agent. Yeah. Justin Watson, probably a free agent. I don't know. Uh, the yeah. other thing is, can Isaiah Pacheco keep it going on the ground? You had a question on earlier this week on Monday. You said, um, I'm what, not, what like, overly say? impressed oh. that he yeah. ran for a billion yards against the Chargers because the Chargers have a terrible run defense, which Correct. they do. Rams yeah, I mean, are a top five rush defense. So if he does it this week, I, I think for third straight week <clears throat> against that defense, yeah, that I mean, pretty I don't, I don't remember exactly what I said, but uh, I, I, it was, it was great what he did against the Chargers. But I wasn't going to overreact and be like, mm-hmm. okay, the Chiefs have a great run game now. I think is how I was going to look at it, right? So if you look at this Rams, if you look at the Rams game, like in theory, if the Chiefs are up by quite a bit, you think they will then be using their ground game a little more, so we might get a better gauge of truly how good the run game is for the Chiefs. Uh, but again, I mean, I think we both agree and most people agree the Chiefs run game does not have to be great by any stretch of no. the word. I mean, it just needs to be enough to keep opposing defenses honest. It needs to be efficient, honest. right? Yeah. yeah. It needs to be, like you said, to keep defenses honest so that, like last year when you played the Bengals in the AFC Championship and they just ran three down linemen and dropped everyone back the second half, that you can be like, hey, we'll just run it all over you if you're going to do that. Um the defense, I think this could be a, a really good game for them with some of the Rams' offensive struggles on that end. And the way that Chris Jones has played this this year, I think he's finally starting to get some after the Chargers game, like he's, national yeah. hype about how good of a season he is having. Yeah, This is an opportunity for you, seriously, with how bad the Rams' offensive line is and they don't have a, a mobile quarterback, to get like two or three sacks and to really, I guess, establish yourself deep in, in the conversation of winning like Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, 100% agree. And and like I said, when it comes to the the Chris Jones discourse, I don't expect Chris Jones to fill up the stat sheet, right? That like that's not what he needs to do for the Chiefs. He just needs to be a force. He just needs to be disruptive. He just needs to, you know, get an interior pass rush that can lead to maybe guys like Frank Clark or Carlos Dunlap or George Karloftis getting a sack or whatever, right? Like obviously him putting up stats is great too, but he, but he he affects the game or he can affect the game in so many other ways. Right, and obviously that's what Aaron Donald does so well, also uh, for for the Rams, and that's what Chris Jones needs to do. And yeah, I am glad that he's finally getting that recognition because he has had a great season. And in the preseason, I said, you know, hey, if the Chiefs are going to reach their maximum potential as a defense, Chris Jones needs to be the guy, and he's been the guy and then some, which has been phenomenal. And I think you're right. Here's a chance for him to just keep powering up, right? Like you're playing against a a bad offensive line, a bad offense, assert your dominance, right? Like like. Can you think of the last time we we've seen a Chiefs defense just absolutely dominate an opponent? Like just re- like truly hmm. truly just shut them down in all facets and dominate them. I mean, there was that stretch last year of like 5 games where they played really well and they played like no quarterbacks. Like the Packers game comes to mind last year with Jordan Love. Oh, yeah. The yeah. the Cowboys game they were really good too. But Yeah, the Packers game it kind of gets overshadowed by how bad the offense was, I that's guess. That's the but, thing. Yeah. It's just like the offenses are so bad, but I guess that's part of this too with the Rams. Um, no, I'm saying the Packers game. The discourse out after the Packers game was that the Chiefs' offense was terrible. Oh yeah, remember right? Like the there was the, none of it was about the defense. It was all about well, the Chiefs' offense is is broken. How are they going to fix it? Oh, 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 oh. Chiefs' offense is fine. 
they've never been more fine. <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah, I guess, but you, you are right. Like, this is an opportunity to impose your will and have one of those dominant performances. And, um, yeah. If you give up a lot of points in this one, like, that's just bad. It just, it, it would be you know. not good. Also, right. low key, like, fun matchup in this one. Uh, I, I guess these guys won't be match up with each other, but having Aaron Donald and Chris Jones, two of the best interior defense tackles, maybe the two best in the NFL, but that Chiefs interior of the offensive line, like clearly the the yeah. tackles have had ups and downs this year for the Chiefs. The yeah. interior has been awesome with yeah, Joe Tooney, Joe Tooney Smith, is uh, Humphrey. number two in PFF's rankings. And Trey Smith is just Trey Smith is an enforcer. Yeah, man. I mean, if you watch, him, he, he hits just, you big. He just takes people yeah, out, does. man. He just absolutely pile drives guys. So I'm it's excited awesome. for that matchup versus Aaron Donalds. Like it's it's hard to like center yourself and like as the play's going on, especially when you have like Patrick Mahomes to just be like staring at an offensive lineman taking on a D tackle. But yeah. there could be a few plays that that my eyes wander off to that to see how they're doing against Aaron Donald. I'm, I'm excited to see what that matchup looks like and. Um, that should be a really fun one of just really talented players kind of going up against each other. Yeah. Uh, there are no player props up for the moment on DraftKings right now because we're too early in the week, so we won't get into that. But uh, hypothetically, uh, if I told you... Mahomes overpassing yards. Oh, okay, you're going overpassing yards. Oh, I will yes. say Justin Watson touchdown. If it's, okay, yeah. If it's yeah. three to one or higher, I'll pound yeah. it. Yeah, I mean... What about <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if like you bet on Travis Kelsey multiple touchdowns last week, but he had three. No, I should have. You should just do that every week. I feel like it'd be very profitable. <laughs> well, that's that's why the Travis Kelsey anytime touchdown bet is always like minus one eighty. Yeah, he scores every every game. They juice it down. <laughs> okay, uh, that is our Chiefs preview. We are going to get on to our game picks, looking around college football and the NFL in just a moment. Here, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We'll be back after this timeout. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on KLWN with Nick Springer. I am Derek Johnson. Again, this is our final show of the week, so ration them out wisely for the next couple days with Thanksgiving and whatnot. Of course, uh, we'll have your KU basketball game coming at you tomorrow with KU winning today against NC State. Pre-game will start at 8.30 tomorrow. Tip-off will be at 10 o'clock, and then we'll wait and see what happens on Friday. Um depending on what happens on Thursday. But we'll also have the KU women's game. And then uh, on Saturday, uh, we got your KU football game against Kansas State. Pre-game 5.30, kickoff at 7 o'clock. Okay, it's that time on a Wednesday. Normally done on a Friday, but because this is our last show of the week, we've got to get to our game picks for the week. And Nick is sitting at 49-67-4. You are 60-77-6 with your locks. I am exactly at 500 at 58-58-4, but my locks have been... Unlocks. So I'm 67, <laughs> 72, and four. We will start in college football where we've both been terrible. You are 24, <laughs> 36, and O, which I think now that I'm looking at it, I forgot to add in your record last week. I did. So you are actually 26, 39, and O after going oh, okay, two and yeah. three. Yeah, I see. I am 27, 38, and zero after going just one and four. Okay, so I'm only one game behind you. Yeah, you're only one okay. back in college yeah, no, football. Yeah, we're good. Okay. Like I said, we've both been terrible there, so it's like it's a race of who sucks a little less, you know? <laughs> uh, so we'll start in college football. This is a great week of college football. We yep. get number 19 Tulane at number 24 Cincinnati. There's three AAC teams that are kind of hanging around there for a possible New Year's Six bid. The Bearcats are giving up two points. Yeah, I'm actually leaning Tulane here. I like Tulane a little bit. Uh, Tulane obviously has been kind of a – I feel like – I don't know. I mean, obviously, we live in, a, in the Kansas bubble, right? But I feel like some of the other interesting stories of teams that are doing well this season are maybe overshadowed a bit by what Kansas has done, especially early in the season. 
Tulane beat Kansas State earlier in the year, and they're 9-2. and two. They're a really good team. I think they have a chance to win this game. I'm taking Tulane over Cincinnati. I'm going to go with Cincinnati. Uh, I just I really like the Cincinnati defense. I think it'll be a low-scoring game. Tulane just uh, had kind of a bad performance, so I don't know. Maybe they could have yeah, Tulane did, bounce back. Yeah, Tulane did have a bad game against UCF. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, I'm going to go with Cincinnati. I, just, I, I really like their defense. Okay. This is uh, the game of the week and certainly going to have a lot of playoff implications. Number three, Michigan at number two, Ohio State. The Buckeyes are giving up seven and a half. Yeah, this this is a tough one. I'm I'm leaning Michigan State here. I don't know if Michigan State's going to win the game, but I mean, come on, these are two of the best three teams in the country. Michigan's been phenomenal. They have a great run game. I think Michigan does enough to keep it very close. Seven and a half. I mean, I understand it's Ohio State and they have one of the historically great college football offenses this season, but they also have not really played a, t- a difficult schedule at all. I mean, the only team they really played that was pretty good is Penn State. And you and I were discussing this off air. Penn State's 9-2, and two, but we don't even know how good they are because the two lost are to Michigan and Ohio State, and the rest of the Big Ten stinks. So I think Michigan, I don't know that they're going to win, but 7.5 for a rivalry game between two of the top five teams in the country seems like way too much points. Give me Michigan. Yeah, there is a worry for me that this one could be Michigan's physicality that dominates the game, as it did last year, and that's what led to Michigan winning. But Ohio State prior to last year had absolutely dominated the series, and a big reason why was they just had too much skill talent on the outside, and that's how I kind of view this one. And then you add in the fact that I guess we don't know for sure, but Blake Corum, who is – I forget if he's sitting like third or fourth in the Heisman odds. The really good Michigan running back was like 1,400 yards. Yeah. Uh, he got injured last week, and uh, one of their offensive linemen at their media availabilities this week was like made a, a comment about, yeah, you know, when you have a great running back like that out, the rest of the players have to step up. So I don't know if that was, you know, in comment oh. to last week. Were they or, not supposed to announce that he's out? No, they were not. So uh, maybe that means that he is out, and if he is out, that's even tougher sledding for Michigan, who relies so much on him and they're maybe a little bit more unsettled in the passing game. So I'm going to take Ohio State minus the 7.5. Number 9, Oregon, is giving up three points. They're at number 21, Oregon State. Yeah, this is another tough one because Oregon is like, they got the blowout against Georgia, right? Then they ripped off eight, nine games in a row where they looked really, really good. And then they fudge up the situation against Washington and they lose. And now I don't really know what to think about them, right? Whereas Oregon State, quietly, they're 8-3. and three. They've also been really, really good this year. Again, it's another rivalry game. I think Oregon State's going to win this game. I'm taking the Beavers. I like Oregon State as well. The defense, I mean, this is actually yeah, you're, funny. You're a big Oregon State guy. I've been big Oregon State all year long. And look at me now. We're ranked 21st. You kind of faded on them, though. You 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 kind of went away from no, them early in the year. No, I picked against them in, in one of the games. It was, I forget was who it was. USC? Like maybe Utah. No, because I picked them to beat USC outright, and they almost did. Um, but Oregon State is like the, the team that bucks the trend. And the, the Pac-12 has low-key become what the Big 12 was like five years ago. All offense, no defense. Um Oregon, UCLA, USC, like Utah even. All those teams, if you go by like yards per play, are in like the 80s or 90s in the country. Like they're not good. Oregon State's the one really good defensive team. I think Oregon State pulls the upset here for the uh, big. And then I don't know what happens for the – because right now if Oregon wins, I believe it's Oregon-USC in the Pac-12 title game. If Oregon loses, I think some weird things can happen. Number 15, Notre Dame at number 6, USC. The Trojans giving up 5.5. I'm taking USC here. I I mean, okay. I think it was the Oregon State game. There was a game where I took USC and I was like, well, USC is going to score a bunch of points and they're going to win. And then they end up winning like 17 to 14. So that I, that, what concerns me about that is that that same thing could happen again here. Or I'm like, oh, USC is going to score a bunch of points. Surely they can cover five and a half. And then they score like 17 points. 
But uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I understand that Notre Dame, to me, this is the perfect letdown game for Notre Dame, right? They just beat Clemson. They're probably like, oh, we're Notre Dame. We're good again. Like three blah, 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 weeks blah. ago. So they, they're going to, it's going to be a letdown. USC's going to win by more than five and a half. So I actually think, wasn't Clemson last week? It was like three weeks ago. Oh. I think uh, we run together, man. I think this could be a bit of a letdown for USC coming off that that big win over UCLA. It was back and forth. They win 48-45. And now all of a sudden you come in there against a Notre Dame team that plays really good defense and is going to hit you in the mouth and make it a physical football game. I think USC wins the game. I think five and a half is too many points. I see this as a game that, you know, it's it's up in the air uh, somewhere in the balance late, and then Caleb Williams makes a big play, and they win like 20-17. to 17. I think it's going to go the under, and I think I like Notre Dame plus the 5.5. Hmm. Number 13, Washington, minus 2 in the Apple Cup at Washington State. I got to ride with my boys at Washington State from uh, with Cameron Ward at quarterback. He's at a, He got off to a great start this season. I haven't checked his numbers recently, but he's kind of – Washington State, they were hot early, and then they kind of faded, I think, but they're still a pretty good team. Uh, so I like Washington State here, and they've got a lot of weapons on the outside. And, again – it's a rivalry game. It's another game where Washington's coming in thinking maybe they might have an easier time here. Give me the Cougs. Yeah, I like Washington State as well. Uh, Washington has a really good offense, but Washington State has been one of the other really good defenses in the Pac-12 uh, to this point in the season. I, I think they can get enough done playing at home. Um all the problems they had in the series were kind of a Chris Peterson versus Mike Leach thing. Like, I think they won last year. So, uh, give me the Cougars in this one plus the two. The Apple Cup, baby. Pull another upset. And then at that point, I don't know if you, Utah makes the, the Pac-12 championship if I'm picking Oregon State and Washington State. UCLA? What about UCLA? Maybe. No idea. I don't know. Well, what's your lock of the week? You're 6-6. Six and six. My lock of the week is Florida plus 9.5 at Florida State. Florida State's not that good. And I understand that Florida's not that good either, but again... Uh, I'm I'm always surprised when some of these rivalry games have such big lines. Like it's a rivalry game. Like it's going to be a close game regardless, probably. So I'm taking Florida plus nine and a half. I don't I don't know that Florida's going to win because their offense stinks. But this could be like a 16, 13, 13 to 10 type game. Give me Florida. I uh, I'm sorry to do this. So I'm five and seven on locks. So maybe this is a good thing. <laughs> okay. I'm taking Kansas State minus the 11 and a half against Kansas State. Listen, um, Kansas Boo. State is really good. Kansas has really struggled stopping the run. I'm they just have. having a hard time seeing Kansas holding Kansas State to under even like 34 points. And with the injuries to the quarterback position and Jalen Daniels where they're probably not going to run the quarterback in triple option against one of the best defenses in the Big 12 with Kansas State. I'm having a tough time seeing Kansas score more than like 20 points. So I'm going to take Kansas State minus 11 and a half. Okay. I hope you I'm can, wrong. You can be wrong. I hope I'm it's wrong. Okay. On to the NFL, where on the season you are 23-28-4 after a 2-3 and three week. I am 31-20-4 after a 4-1 week. Man, you have had good, some good luck in the NFL. I have. Last two weeks have been good for me. Uh, Buffalo minus 9.5 at Detroit on Thanksgiving morning. I'm taking Detroit. Uh, it's at Detroit. Detroit's on a – are they on a four-game win streak? Three-game win streak? Three-game, yeah. Three-game win streak. I like Dan Campbell a lot. And Buffalo – the past couple games for Buffalo, they've kind of gotten off to really slow starts, and then they've put away teams. Like, they were trailing against Cleveland for a good chunk of the first half, I think. And then they eventually put them away, but they only beat them by eight. So I think that's something that could happen here similarly, where maybe Buffalo kind of takes their time to get going a little bit. The Lions jump out to an early lead, and then the Bills end up winning, you know, 
24 to 17 or 27 to 21 or something. So I think the Lions are going to cover. I don't think they're going to win, but they're going to cover. Yeah, I agree with that. This just feels like one of those spots where they lose a close game that we've seen so often uh, in the Yeah, Jay they are Campbell experts tenure. at losing close games. Yeah, so I'll take them plus 9.5. New York Giants at Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are giving up 9.5. Yeah, the, the books have lost all respect for the Giants. Just all respect. I don't, And I don't understand why. They're still 7-3. and three. I mean, come on, man. So I'm going to take the Giants. I don't know that they're going to win, but, I mean, surely they can cover 9.5. Give me the that's what the books might want you to think. Well, that's what I that's what I think. I think the Dallas's defense is going to like completely shut down the Giants' offense. Like I think ten points or less. So can Dallas put up twenty? Yeah, I think so. I'll take Dallas minus the nine and a half. Uh, New England at Minnesota for the Thanksgiving night game. The Vikings are giving up two and a half. It's in prime time. I'm taking the Patriots. Bill Belichick's going to shut down Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen's old and washed. Kirk Cousins in prime time. And then. Uh, Dalvin Cook will probably have a good game still, but I still think the Patriots will win. I'm going to go with Minnesota. I, I do think that Bill Belichick will make life on Kirk Cousins very tough, and, and yeah, I could take away Ju- Justin Jefferson and whatnot. I just think that the Patriots' offense is so bad that yeah. I think they'll be shut down too. So I think Minnesota will probably win a close game, probably be like an ugly low-scoring game. Yeah, uh, there's so much Vikings. attention being, pl- being placed on the Jets with the Zach Wilson situation when they lost that game. The Patriots were equally as bad. Equally as bad. Mm-hmm. Except they just won. So that just absolves them, I guess, of any criticism. I don't know. Cincinnati, minus one and a half, taking on the Tennessee Titans rematch of the divisional round game. Yeah, I'll take Cincinnati. I, Jamar Chase is trending towards being back. Uh, I don't really know 100%. And I guess because we're doing our game picks on Wednesday instead of Friday, we don't really... It's a little bit tougher that way. But, uh, yeah, I'll take... I'll take minute. I'll take Cincinnati here. I think Cincinnati gets it done. I'm gonna go with Tennessee. Uh, we'll see what Jamar Chase his status is. I'm not really expecting him if he does play to be like full Jamar Chase in this one. I just I've been really impressed with Tennessee. They're a really physical, tough football team. I think they come out on top and this, get a this little bit of revenge. This does feel like one of those random games where Tennessee will just win to make to like get you to kind of buy back into thinking they're kind of good. So maybe I'm sticking with the Bengals. Though. And then it's kind of a crummy slate on Sunday. Um, like, the next best game, honestly, is Atlanta at Washington. Like, two contenders possibly for the seven seed. There's a lot of bad matchups on Sunday. Uh, the Commanders are giving up four and a half. This is a tough one. Uh, I'm going to lean towards Washington here. I, I don't know. I just I don't have a lot of faith in Atlanta, really. And, I mean, that's that's... But let's put it this way. I don't have a ton of faith in Washington, but I have a less faith in Atlanta. So I'm taking Washington. I think Atlanta keeps it close. They run the football well enough, I guess. Um, I don't know. I'll go with the Falcons. Uh, lock of the week, you're 5-4-2. and two. Who do you like? Okay, this this feels like a trap line, and I don't know what's up with it. Baltimore minus 3.5 at Jacksonville. It's Jacksonville. Minus 3.5? Are you kidding? Give me the Ravens. That is a weird line. Isn't that weird? It's almost too weird. That's what I'm saying. Like, is Jacksonville going to blow them out? Yeah, that feels that feels odd. Uh, I am four and seven. I'm going to go. How about this one? Chiefs Rams under 44 points. Whoa, that's surprising. Yeah, uh, but here's why. As we talked about in our Chiefs preview just a segment ago, Rams offense sucks. Matthew Stafford might be out. Chiefs True. defense actually not bad. Um, yeah. yeah. And even though the Chiefs, you always worry about taking an under with Patrick Mahomes, 
the Rams do have a really good defense. Like, they're top 10 defense. So, I can see this. Because here's the thing. Even if the Chiefs score 31 points in this game, there's a very real possibility they hold the Rams to 10. I'm going to yep. take the under. I feel good about it. Okay. Good-ish. I guess. Okay. <laughs> okay. There's our game picks for the week. He is Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Coming up at the top 5 o'clock hour, we're going to preview the Kansas-Kansas State football game. This is RCST. <laughs> Five o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to have our Thanksgiving draft coming up later this hour. We've also got some Bill Self postgame audio to get to you later in the hour as well. Um, I guess before we get into the KUK State preview, just resetting something we opened the show with. Lance Leipold had a uh, contract extension, so he'll be the... Uh, the coach for the team. And when when we talk about this Kansas State game specifically, like that's going to be a big talking point throughout the broadcast, which is, I guess, positive PR for yeah. Kansas. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and obviously with the various speculation going on pretty much throughout the season about other possibilities for Lance Leipold, they, obviously they extended him already once earlier in the season. Remember that, that one year they extended him earlier in the season? Or actually before the season even kicked off, I think. Mm-hmm. and But even still, that didn't really quell much of the speculation around some of the other jobs open around the country. And and now it really feels like, okay, Travis Goff is committed to Lance. Lance is committed to KU. Let's roll. Like, right, like now it's like, okay, you're having a good season right now. Now you're locked in long-term. Let's keep going. Let's keep building, right? And, and a game like this against K-State could be almost the exclamation point on we're here and we're here to stay, right? And I'm not. I'm not necessarily saying that means that means that KU needs to win this game in order to accomplish that. But if they go in there, and I mean, this is a K State team that, on one hand, is thinking, okay, we've we've got the Big Twelve Championship almost on lock, right? But on the other hand, they have to get through KU, right? And obviously, in recent years, getting through KU has not been an issue, right, for K State. So this this could be an opportunity for KU, especially coming off the loss of Texas, to say, hang on a second, fellas, we're here, we're here to stay. Lance is going to build our program, and this is the, this is only the start of much more, right? And even if it's even if KU doesn't win, if it's a close game, I think you still kind of assert yourself with a statement like that. And obviously, like the contract, you know, and and how about how about Travis Goff, right? I mean, talk about a home run hit for KU in terms of getting him in. I mean, he's been outstanding. Uh, he seems like he has a plan, exactly knows exactly what he wants to do and how he wants to run this athletic department as a whole. And it starts with football, and it starts with Lance Leipold, and this contract now locks him up and you can feel really safe and secure obviously there's a lot of KU fans that were uh, varying degrees of nervous about some of the outside speculation with that kind of stuff but it's clear now Lance Leipold is here to stay he's here to to build this program and he's here to to turn KU around and and already obviously we're you know multiple steps ahead of where we probably thought we were going to be right now at the beginning of the season so keep it going Yep. Well, uh, when you look at this series, what you just talked about with if they can have a close game, that's progress. Here's why. So Kansas actually leads the all-time series 66-48-5, to to but of late, it has just been wrecked. Um, they haven't won in the series since 2008 when they won 52-21. They haven't won in Manhattan since 2007 when they won 30-24. to Since 2009, K-State's won every game, and a lot of them have been blowouts. Last year, 35-10. to They injured Jason Bean. That was Jalen Daniels' first appearance, I believe, of the season. Uh Year before, 55-14. Year before that, 38-10. to uh, You had the one game in there that you probably should have won. Yeah, where Peyton, the Peyton Bender, Bender just fumble. dropped the ball. Yep. 
Yep. Uh, that one, you lost 21-17 in Manhattan in 2018. 2017, you were pretty close. It's 30-20, to 20, and they yeah, had, I remember like, that game too. I think they had either a punt return or a kick return touchdown and another one that got them down to, like, the KU 30-yard line. Otherwise, maybe you win that game. Yeah. A year before, kind of competitive as well, 34-19 in Manhattan. But then, again, prior to that, 45-14, 51-13, 31-10, 56-16, 59-21, 59-7. ugly series for KU. Yeah, certainly in recent history it has been. And most KU fans are probably already know this, but anytime K State's playing KU, it's their biggest game of the year, right? Like, and and uh, I think that's maybe what makes this game a little bit interesting, though, because on one hand, if you're K State, you are playing KU, and normally that's the most important game of the season for for K State. But on the other hand, they might be already feeling like they've got the the inline to the Big Twelve title game wrapped up, right? They may they may come into this game after watching what KU did against Texas last week, thinking. We can just we can just put it on autopilot, you know. It's KU, whatever, right? We're going to the Big Twelve title, and maybe that in some way gives KU a bit of a, an advantage early in the game if they can jump on them early and kind of punch them in the mouth and say, "Hey, you know what? We're here. We, yeah, we had a bad game last week against Texas, but you know this is a big game for us too, obviously, right?" So I don't know how much that's going to play into it because again, I know anytime K State's playing KU, it's automatically their biggest game of the year because that's just how they are. It's annoying, but they, they're just that's just how they are. So I don't know. I, I that's what I'm saying. I'm curious to see how K State shows up like early in the game, right? Are they going to be coming out in on autopilot, just expecting to beat us up, beat up KU, and go to the Big Twelve title game, or are they going to come out and and you know perform well early? So uh, I'll be interested to see that part of the game from the K State side. For KU, I mean, I think it's as simple as just flushing out the Texas game, moving on. I mean. Yeah, you, you got blown out in that game, but you've been very competitive in every other game this season. And if you can tackle well a little bit better and perform a little bit better on the defensive side of the ball, and maybe if Jalen's feeling more comfortable with the option game, you can get that going and, and create an extra level of, of dynamic ability to your offense. And, and you know, I, I think if, if you're KU late in the game and it's close, you got a chance to win the game, right? It's a, rival, it's a rivalry game, rivalry week. Anything can happen in these types of games. Craziness, whatever, who knows, right? So if it's a close game late, then you're right there, and I think you've got to feel pretty good about your chances. Yep, and K-State's been rolling of late uh, since the TC loss. They've won three of the last four. They had the one Texas loss in there by a touchdown, but they have an 86 positive point differential in their last four games. Kansas, meanwhile, kind of reeling a bit. They've uh, lost five of their last six games the last two weeks. They haven't been able to to stop anyone. And I guess uh, as, as far as that goes, like, Kansas State offensively, that that's what maybe scares me the most in this one. Yeah. They're averaging 5.2 yards per carry. Deuce Vaughn is one of the best running backs in the country. They're just solid, efficient overall on offense. Um, Adrian Martinez has been a great runner for them. I don't know if he'll be the guy or if it's Will Howard, who is more of a like big guy who can run a little bit but not great at it. More in the Tyler Shuck vein, but that's not great because KU got toasted by him on the ground. Um, but Will Howard's been really good passing the ball. It's the running game, though, that scares you the most. And yeah. After the Texas game, you just wonder if Kansas State's going to run for like 300-plus. Yeah, and this also feels like a game where you're there's not going to be a whole lot of possessions, right? And I think you can look at that in, in two different ways. Defensively for Kansas, that means, hey, if you can get a stop or two, that might be all you need. That might be all you need, right? Like, if you can get a couple stops, a, a stop or two, you know, force them to field goal a couple times, maybe get a big fourth down stop or something. Uh, the, the the one area that I haven't really mentioned this in a couple of weeks, but the one area that KU's defense has actually been really good at throughout the season, if you go back and look at some of the games earlier in the season, they've been great in short yardage situations, like really, really good. 
They've had a multiple fourth down and short stops against multiple different teams earlier in the season. Eddie Wilson was the guy that was always making some plays inside for them on, on short yardage situations. So if you can get him into a third or fourth and short, stop him and force him to a field goal or whatever, you know that may be all you need, right? Because on the other side, if you're can on, on the offensive side for Kansas, if you can get the option game going and you can capitalize and put the ball in the end zone, I I really feel like this is going to be a game where it's there's not going to be a lot of possessions. Which which again, I, I think depending on how you look at it, could be good or bad for Kansas, right? It could be good in the sense of you only need one or two stops on the defense, but on on the other side, on the offense, that means for KU's offense, you're going to have to be able to score efficiently when you do have the ball because I think. K-State certainly is going to try to run the ball a lot and probably use a lot of clock. And I think KU, that might be their best route of trying to, to score as well, is, is to just run the ball and, and give your defense a chance to catch their breath after the after K-State's running on them. And, yeah, I mean, KU has a better chance to hit some deep plays, but I, I really feel like this is going to be a, a game in which there's not going to be a lot of possessions. Yeah, and, and I guess the trouble for the KU offense uh, over there for me is is what's the, the running game going to look like in, in terms of are they going to do triple option? Are yeah. they going to run the quarterback? Because this is a really good Kansas State defense. They're one yep. of the best in the Big 12. They're one of the best in the country. Yeah, they're um, good at forcing turnovers. Too. Yeah, they have, yeah, they have the best defensive pass efficiency in the conference. Uh, they're tied for Texas for the most sacks. They're tied for the most interceptions. And... You know, for Kansas, they average 5.8 yards per carry. So overall, they've been really good. That's the best in the Big 12 in yards per run. But a lot of that was worked from their early season numbers with the triple option. And when we've seen them be more forced into, like there are exceptions. Like in the Oklahoma State game, it didn't matter. You did whatever you wanted against them on the ground, whether it was zone scheme or just standard running plays. But in a lot of the games, like the Baylor game and the Texas game, you weren't able to be nearly as efficient running the football without the triple option game. And knowing how good the Kansas State defense is, and you look at that front four and their linebackers are good, it has to be a part of this game for Kansas to be successful. Either that or this has to be like the best game for the offensive line, just yeah. opening up holes, and Jalen has to be that good passing the ball to make well, up for And it. how heavily do you lean on Devin Neal? I mean, consecutive games, the Oklahoma State game, and right after that he had over 25 carries in consecutive games. Now against Texas, I think he only had 13 carries, but he was still taking a lot of hits, right? So I don't I don't know how heavily you want to lean on him uh, as your primary runner. And uh, obviously, Kai Thomas and Savion Morrison have been fine, but they certainly have not been anywhere close to the level that we've seen Devin Neal run at, right? So how heavily do you want to lean on him throughout this game? I mean, I understand you're going to have some time in between now and your bowl game, but I mean... You know, it, on one hand, it was like, okay, Devin Neal was not getting a ton of carries early in the season. He had Daniel Highshaw at the time, obviously. And then kind of, we, we always, we wondered, like, was there going to be a big Devin Neal game? Well, then he had consecutive big games in, in a row. Oklahoma State and Texas Tech, both, he ran the ball a ton, right? And then against Texas, not as many carries, but still he took some big hits. How heavily do you lean on him in this game? I think a lot. I think uh, in a game where you do have some of those other questions, like, if ideally he's able to continually moving, you know, be moving the chains and and keeping drives alive, then I do expect this to be a game where he could get 25, 30 carries in a game. And again, you have to stay on the field there. That means he's being successful. But if all is going right, yes, I do think this is a a high or a heavy load game for uh, Devin Neal. Some other quick factors here: Kansas State. Not only do they get a lot of turnovers, so Kansas can't put the ball at risk. They don't turn it over much at all on, on their end, which is even more problematic because the KU defense kind of relies on being opportunistic and might not have as many chances against Kansas State. Uh, third downs. Kansas State hasn't been great 
converting third downs this year. They're just 38%. That's seventh in the conference. But Kansas is last on defense in third down conversion rate allowed at 47%. Opponents are also converting 67% of fourth downs on Kansas. So they have to do better on money downs, and I don't know what the answer to that is. Uh, you mentioned the tackling. That's been a problem for KU and has to get better against Deuce Vaughn and yeah. Malik Knowles and yeah. uh, whoever's running quarterback for Kansas State. And then special teams. We, we always think of Kansas State as being a good special teams team. That's the case again this year. They're second in kick return average, first in punt return average. Kansas is seventh and tenth. Kansas has also been horrid on field goals. Kansas State has been solid. Kansas State is second in yeah, net I, yards per punt. Kansas is tenth. You go on and on and on down the list, even if you look at like some of the metrics, like ESPN Power Index, Kansas State's 44th. ESPN SP Plus, Kansas State is in the 40s as well. Uh, Power Index, Kansas is 78th. Uh, ESPN SP Plus, Kansas is 129th. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I think you've kind of been somewhat advocating for it for a while now, but if you're Kansas, man, you can't kick field goals, right? Like, once once you get across midfield, it's four downs no matter what, basically, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's that's how that's that's almost got to be your mentality. I don't I don't know what else to say about that. I think that's right. So we'll see how Kansas does. You can hear that game on Saturday. Pre-game will start at 5:30. Kickoff will be at seven o'clock in Manhattan for the Jayhawks and the Wildcats. Right here on your original home for the Jayhawks. KLWN, as well as our sister station, 105.9 KISS. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we've got our draft of Thanksgiving things. Uh, also got some fun audio kind of talking about some similar stuff with Andy Kotelnicki yesterday. This is RCST. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I am Derek Johnson. We have no shows on Thursday and Friday. Love we'll your KU basketball game for you Thursday and Friday as well as the KU women's game on Friday and Saturday, then the KU football game for Kansas-Kansas State on Saturday with pregame at 5.30 and kickoff at 7 o'clock. So we shared yesterday Andy Kotelnicki speaking with the media and uh, all the football stuff. At the very beginning, though, there was a Thanksgiving conversation with Andy Kotelnicki. Uh, David Lawrence asked a question about favorite Thanksgiving food, and Andy Kotelnicki responded and and asked back to some of the media members. Uh, Here's that audio clip from... uh, the the KU press conference yesterday. What's your favorite Thanksgiving food? Favorite Thanksgiving food? That's a great question. Be prepared to have an answer yourself. Everybody. This is we're going back to this pizza question, if we remember. It's hard not to really enjoy some good stuffing and gravy, right? I think turkey, that's a staple of Thanksgiving. We all understand that. It's available all the time. But how many times do you really get good stuffing and gravy? It is pretty exclusive to Thanksgiving when you think about it, right? You know, here we had lunch, we had barbecue today. What was available? Turkey. What was available last week? Turkey. You know what's not available? Stuffing and good gravy. So I think those two things, and then you compound it with a roll, perhaps a warm croissant, if you will, you know what I mean, out of the oven, something that the butter would melt on. Kept stacking that stuff together. That's good. That's a good time. And they were topping her off with apple or pumpkin pie. What are we saying? Apple. The right answer is Pecan. both. Mm. Right? A little bit of both. A little whipped cream on top of the pumpkin pie. A little ice cream on the apple pie. Warm it up, of course. So, I went a little bit more in depth than what my favorite item was. But that would be good little Thanksgiving deal right there. What's your favorite Thanksgiving? Stuffing, for Stuffing, sure. Stuffing, good, yes. Pecan pie, though. Sweet potatoes like the mashed potatoes. Sweet potatoes? With, uh, marshmallow on top. Mm. 
A little desserty there, kind of, right? Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't get, I don't do sweet potatoes. Not my deal. What are we doing? You asked it. Uh, green bean casserole. Green bean casserole. We're gonna get OJ some sweet potato pie because he can't find it anywhere. Really? So that's his go-to. Okay. My wife loves green bean casserole, and I do not like it. I don't enjoy it one bit. Can't stand it, honestly. Which is, I'm from Minnesota. That's like that and tater tot hot dish. I mean, it's basically every meal of the week. You know, can't do it. It's good. What about you, Burke? What's your favorite uh, Thanksgiving dish? Uh, turkey. Turkey. Yeah. Big turkey guy. Big turkey guy. Yeah. You ever had a turkey leg? My wife last year made. Uh, she smoked some turkey legs. There's one. I'm one my name on right now. Waiting on me. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so fun stuff from Andy Kotelnicki there. Um, I guess I gave away my answer as part of that of what my number one pick would be. But what we're gonna do now, we're gonna draft Thanksgiving. Things, items. Okay. So it doesn't necessarily just have to be food. You can get as creative with this as you want. We're going to go, uh, I don't know, six rounds, eight rounds deep. What okay. do you think? Is that too much? Well, um, whatever whatever you want to do. Okay. Let's do eight rounds deep. <coughs> Thanksgiving things. Would you like That's the first pick of... or second pick? Uh, I'll, I'll go second. The first pick seems like too much pressure for me, honestly. Okay. So do you want to – I know we had this spat yesterday. Do you want what? to do – do you want to do serpentine or not? Um, yeah, no, it's fine. Right. The only issue with doing serpentine is when it's not even, right? Okay. So it's fine. Okay. Okay. So we're good. All right, so I'll have the first pick. <laughs> I will go with stuffing. Stuffing is the best. Uh, Number one overall? Stuffing is the best food for Thanksgiving. Dude. It's the best food. Man. Okay, I was not expecting that number one overall. Mm. Okay. Um, I think I have to go with mashed potatoes as number one. Right? Mashed potatoes are boring, dude. They're not boring. Don't what ask me what about? you want to do. Do what you want to do. Dude, mashed potatoes are not boring. They're very They're a boring. Staple. Dude, if, it's not Thanksgiving without mashed potatoes. They're arguably the most critical item to Thanksgiving. I think turkey is probably the most critical. No, you can easily have not turkey if you get ham or if you uh, get Stuffing is else. way better than mashed potatoes. <laughs> okay, so that's fine. Well, I don't like stuffing. All right, well, you have another pick here. Oh, I have another pick. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Second pick... Uh, I'm going to go with some King's Hawaiian Rolls. Got to okay. have them. Yeah, that's always a good one, the King's Hawaiian Rolls. Um, I think it, uh, my in-laws this week for Thanksgiving were doing fried bread, which is always oh. uh, uh, a nice okay. treat as well. Um, okay. Uh, I honestly thought about doing this one number one, and I'm glad that I waited on it because it paid off. I don't know if you would have taken stuffing, but number two, I'm doing watching football. Okay. Watching football, yeah. a Thanksgiving tradition, you have to do it. Uh, it's a great way to, I don't know, avoid awkward questions with, with maybe some yeah. uh, extended family members that you didn't want to talk to as much. Uh, that's a joke, obviously. <laughs> but for some people, it might be real. I love all my yeah. family. Uh, but, yeah, watching football, it's a staple of Thanksgiving. No, that's a good pick. Okay, I have another pick here. Okay. Um, man, do I go food? Do I go drink? <laughs> uh, let's go with, hmm. Man, I, I kind of want to double up on that and be like watching Feast Week basketball as well, but I feel like that's too much. So I won't do that. I will just well, be remember, traditionalist I mean, you gotta, here. you got to get it all in one day, right? I, so if you just pick all sports stuff, then... I know. I, I'm going to do uh, turkey. I'm going to do turkey. It's the classic pick. Okay. Uh, you have to have turkey there. I, I know some people do like chicken or something else, but it, it's the tradition of it. It is the turkey, and some people don't like turkey, 
But I think some of that is maybe they're preparing the turkey wrong. And there's different ways you can prepare the turkey. I yep. have always wanted to one year do the, the smoked turkey leg. I think that would be a lot of fun one oh, year. Oh, yeah. Never done that before, but uh, I like turkey. Well, and, I was wondering. And, I was curious. Yeah. I mean, all right, so when you pick turkey, are you just claiming, like, anything turkey-related? Yeah, I get the turkey. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, because I was going to say, like, you know, you could go for, like, you could argue for, like, the white meat turkey, the dark meat turkey, turkey. Like, no, there's different I just categories. get the whole turkey. So you get the whole turkey. I get so the whole I, turkey. I can't get anything. No, I was okay. smart. I took, uh, like, the entire <laughs> offensive line of a team in a draft. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So with my next pick, I'm going to go with the football game with your cousins in the backyard after dinner. Mm. I think that's like a good, backyard football yeah, game. The backyard football game with your cousins after. Mm-hmm. That's a good pick. And then I need I, I need a main course. Uh, and you since you have claimed <laughs> that you've taken the entire turkey. Yes. I guess I guess I got I guess I got to go with ham. So I'll take some ham. Yeah. Give me some ham and uh so ham and then the the football game in the backyard after after the meal. I like the football game one. That that was really good. Okay, I'm going to I feel like I need some like some beverages on my side, but I don't know what the the traditional like Thanksgiving drink is. Yeah, a lot of people have like I mean, wine. Yeah, I mean it's not you, egg, it's not really eggnog, is it? No, no, eggnog's more of a Christmas thing. Yeah. I feel like. Yeah, and even if it was gross. Yeah, I I, honestly, I've never even tried eggnog. <laughs> yeah, just I don't know. It that, just doesn't not my, sound not my cup of tea. Yeah. Well, when you use the word eggnog, it just it just it, it doesn't sound good. Wrong, right? No, right? I agree. I'm they got to come up with a better name for it. The name creamy uh, egg drink. Yeah, the you know? name itself is not appealing <laughs> no. at all. It's like egg salad. You know, <laughs> I don't know. It might be good. I've never had egg salad before, but kind of looks gross. No, I'm saying there, there are too, certain right? things that, like, just by name alone, you're like, dude, <laughs> right. I don't want to try out. that. Yeah, exactly. I'm out. Okay, um, man, I feel like if you're gonna have turkey, you need gravy. So I'm going to take gravy, and that is going to be a big hit to your mashed potatoes that you no, oh, no longer yeah. have gravy. Okay, but honestly, I'm I'm fine with dry mashed potatoes. Honestly, dude, that's so boring. That's so that's, boring. What do you mean that's boring? You're just dry mashed potatoes. Get out of here. <laughs> um, oh gosh, now I want a dessert. I want a dessert. I, I'm less concerned about the beverages because, like I said, I, I mean, some people like beer, some people like wine. I don't think there's like a traditional Thanksgiving drink, so yeah. I might honestly just avoid that altogether. Um, unless I don't know, maybe maybe there'll be a value pick later in the draft. I uh, I'm gonna take one of the desserts, and honestly, this is not my favorite pie. I, I still think it's good. I I like you know whatever. I'll, I'll have a slice of it, and I, I think it's good, especially this time of year. But I think traditionally it is the best pie. So I'm taking this one for the people. Pumpkin pie. No, <laughs> damn. I was gonna take pumpkin pie for the next pick. Oh, that's a big blow actually to my team. Mm-hmm. No pumpkin pie. Cause I listen. Like you know, there there are other pie options, obviously, but I like I personally like pumpkin pie the most, so that's what I'm going yeah. for. But like, I guess, I guess because it's not on the board, I have to settle for like apple pie. I don't know. You good? Is okay, that what I you're going ta- to do? I guess I'll take it. Yeah. Okay. I guess I'll take apple pie because I need, I needed a dessert also. Well, see, you could really throw a wrench in my groove here and take like whipped cream or ice cream. I don't know. Oh, that's true. Okay. I was thinking about taking ice cream. But the problem is and so if I'm ice gonna have, cream goes better with apple pie, it does. whipped cream goes better with pumpkin pie. So I can't take whipped cream now, right? I mean, you could, and it would hurt me. But it would hurt me, too. But it would, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to call it a wash. I'm going to take ice cream. Okay. That way I can have ice cream with apple pie. Yeah, I think that's good. Um, you know, I'm having fun with this. Let's go 10 rounds. We have enough time. <laughs> uh, we're through. This will be six rounds six, after yeah, my next six pick. Picks. So yeah. I'm going to take whipped cream. I need that as as the topping for okay. the pumpkin pie. Yeah. And then I'm going to double down on dessert because this is my favorite pie. And I don't care what anybody says. Pecan pie. 
Okay. Okay. All right. I'm going to go with, um, I feel like I need another side because I only have mashed potatoes and some dinner rolls. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't personally love this, but I think it's a pretty versatile option. Green bean casserole. It's a pretty pretty solid. Yeah, personally, not not a exactly. Pick of mine it's not either, really but my thing. There are a lot of people, including you, heard from that that audio clip. Yeah, green bean yeah. casserole. I so think that was David it's Lawrence not necessarily my thing, but you got to have some green on your plate, you know. So I'll go with green bean pick, <coughs> green bean casserole, and then I'm gonna take also uh, the afternoon nap. The oh, afternoon that's nap. a great one. Yep, I'm taking the afternoon nap. I didn't even think about that. That is, that honestly <laughs> should have been a higher pick in this draft. I I, I know I, you weren't going for it, and I could tell it wasn't on your mind, so I was just kind of letting it <laughs> yeah, that slide. Was not. Ah, oh, that was yeah. a great one. That honestly, you could argue that could be like a first round pick. <laughs> yes, hundred percent agree. That is that is unbelievable the value there. Yeah. Um, man, that got me rattled. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Okay, I I need something else besides the stuffing and the turkey. And, uh, turkey. I I don't want to do Brussels sprouts. Yeah. I'm gonna go with the sweet potato casserole. Okay. Um. Okay. I think see, that's I good. feel like once I selected mashed potatoes, that kind of eliminated me from taking yeah. the sweet potato side. So. I just kind of let that let you have that one. Okay, we got two more picks. I will go wine. Get a okay. drink in there. Okay. Give me something else. Wine. Yeah. I, I mean, my family's, you know, they're more of a, I guess I'm just thinking of this in terms of my family, but mm-hmm. I guess it could be anybody's family. But, like, I mean, is beer a bad selection? No, like not you just got You know, just have a little some, some beer on the side. I'm taking yeah. some beer. No, I, I might have taken beer there. if you didn't take it there, so yeah. I had the the monopoly on drinks. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so we can't go wrong with some beer. And then, mm, let's see. All right, so I've got the afternoon I've got the afternoon nap. I've got the backyard football game. I'm covered on my meal for the most part. I've got dessert. I got a drink. Hmm. Okay, I know I have – I'm covered on the meal kind of. Like mm-hmm. I have the ham. But since you took the turkey, I think I'm going to – Take like, I guess chicken. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know, cause like, well, in my mind, I was like, I I could take like a pot roast, but that's more of like a Christmas meal. Yes, right. It'd be like very the, weird to have pot roast on Thanksgiving. Yeah. So I, I mean, there's I one obvious chicken. side that neither of us have taken that I honestly completely forgot about until now. It has never been a staple for like my Thanksgivings, but I know for a lot of people, it's like the number one staple. Okay. I don't even know what you're thinking. I don't even know what it is. Yeah. Well, you could also take like the drunk uncle. No, I don't want the drunk. You uncle. You don't want him there. <laughs> no. Why would I want the drunk uncle at my know. Thanksgiving? No, I'll just go with chicken. I guess. Okay. I mean, I gotta have a different option besides <laughs> okay. besides ham. And well, again, in my mind, I was thinking, okay, one of us can get like the dark meat turkey, and one of us can get like the white meat. But then you were like, <laughs> oh no, I gotta have the whole turkey. So then I'm just screwed. It's a draft. I get the turkey. <laughs> okay, so I, I thought about. Um, Taking the drunk uncle, honestly, it's just, I don't know, it adds adds something into the equation. Um, I did think about, as well, taking nice sweaters, that you wear nice sweaters or something. Okay. Um, I also thought about, because it depends when you do Thanksgiving. Some people do Thanksgiving for lunch. Some people do, like, a dinner. Some yeah. people do it yeah. for dinner. Yeah. Um, so it depends. But, um, you know, in my household, we would do, like, monkey bread when you wake up in the morning. Which that's always great, and that would be on there for me. But I'm not sure enough people do it that I want to pick it. And then we'll do like maybe appetizers, maybe have some like chips and dip or something. And then you work your way to like a Thanksgiving dinner, and that kind of holds you over till then. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not going to do that because again, I, I don't know if that's universal enough. I'm going to go mac and cheese. Okay. I don't know how one yeah. of us didn't take that already. Yeah, I was thinking about mac and cheese, but, but again, for me, for my family, I don't remember having yeah, I don't mac think and cheese mac that and often. Cheese is normally at my but I know either. for a lot of people, like that is like the yeah. big side, you know? Yeah. 
So yeah. uh, okay. I'll take mac I think and that's a good value pick. Okay, so you have because mash- ma- the thing oh, about mac and cheese. Sorry, mm-hmm. I just wanted to no, get a fine. little mac and cheese thought here. <laughs> thing of mac and cheese is like. Everybody likes mac and cheese. Yes. Right? So, like, if you have it as a side, then you know everybody's going to have some. You could have a side of mac and cheese with any meal. Exactly. And it'd be fine. Exactly. Whereas, like, stuffing, green bean casserole, people, you know, you don't, you don't, you never know, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't want green bean casserole with my, like, <laughs> steak dinner in the middle of March or something. Uh, so, Nick has mashed potatoes, King's Hawaiian rolls, backyard football game, ham, apple pie, ice cream, green bean casserole, afternoon nap, beer, and chicken. I have stuffing, watching football, turkey, Gravy, pumpkin pie, whipped cream, pecan pie, sweet potato casserole, wine, and mac and cheese. And uh, we'll put this up for a poll at RCST1320. You can vote on uh, who you thought won. Not that we're <laughs> going to do anything with it, but he's Nick Springer. Oh, I definitely won. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Truck Sports Talk. That is our uh, Thanksgiving draft here on RCST. <laughs>